Hello, friends. What the fuck's going on, everybody? How are you? Uh, comedy dates I got coming up. I am at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee on May 20th with the great Tony Hinchcliffe. I'm at the Hollywood Improv on Friday, May, or June 3rd, rather. That's the day before uh, the UFC in Los Angeles. And then the next thing that's available is July 8th at the Ka Theater with the great Joey motherfucking Diaz. Um, that's at the Ka Theater at the MGM in Las Vegas, Nevada. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace, ladies and gentlemen. Do you need a website? Well... Before you hire anybody to do it, you could do it yourself. You could do it, and you could make it fucking amazing. Trust. Just go. Go to squarespace.com or go to a site that they have already made. My pal Doug Stanhope. Go to dougstanhope.com. That's a Squarespace site. You can make your own website simple and easy with an easy user interface, drag and drop if you can um, do normal stuff on a computer, like if you can move files from one folder to the other, if you can attach photographs to an email, simple things, you can use one of Squarespace's templates and make an amazing website. It'll work on everything. It'll work on Windows. It'll work on a Mac. Uh, it works on Android phones, on Windows phones, on iPhones. It's so easy. Each one comes with a free online store. And if you sign up for a year, you get a free domain name. You can make it. Just try it. Give it a shot. You don't even have to enter your credit credit card. You don't even have to enter. I tried to talk too quick. Notice that? I don't know what I was going to say. You don't even have to enter your credit card information. Just go to squarespace.com forward slash Joe and start your free trial today. That's squarespace.com forward slash Joe. We are also brought to you by LegalZoom. LegalZoom is an awesome service for you to save time and uh, make it way more convenient for you to deal with some legal issues. Uh, if you want to form an LLC or a corporation or establish a last will or a living trust, you can do that all online using LegalZoom. You can do a lot of things online. Allegedly, you can even have a fucking divorce. <sighs> Good luck convincing some amazing woman that you no longer want to be with. If your wife is so cool that she's willing to get divorced with you on LegalZoom, you should probably not divorce her. Should probably reconsider. Get back together. Find your way back. Find your way back to her heart. Whew. Aren't you glad I don't do that all the time? <laughs> uh, everything's on your schedule and your terms with upfront pricing instead of hourly rates. That's how LegalZoom has become the leader in helping small business owners and families with their legal needs. LegalZoom actually has an A plus from the Better Business Bureau can't go wrong you fucks so go to legalzoom.com today get your life organized with an estate plan bundle don't forget to order um or excuse me don't forget to enter rogan at checkout that's legalzoom.com and use a code word rogan all righty we're also brought to you each and every week by onit.com go to o-n-n-i-t if you use the code name rogan you will get 10 percent off any and all supplements we got all kinds of groovy shit like emulsified mct oil oh yeah that's the newest and latest and greatest what's that emulsified mct oil you don't have to blend um you could squirt it into a cup of coffee and sans blender have uh, some amazing optimized coffee medium chain triglycerides folks brain food 
awesome stuff for you. And uh, we have that at Onnit, along with a million other things. Uh, Onnit is a total human optimization website. That is what we strive for. That's what we try to produce. It's what we try to sell. When we find groovy things online that um, fit that mindset, we both try to sell them and also try to alert you about them. If you click on the Onnit Academy link, that link, more than anything, embodies what Onnit is all about. Because if you click on the Onnit Academy link, it's just interesting articles on exercise physiology, on diet, on motivation, and uh, workouts of the day, and sort of embodies what we're trying to do at Onnit. We are all about promoting the idea of optimizing your time, being at your best all the time, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally. That's what we're all about. And if you go to uh, Austin, Texas... If you're in Austin, Texas, we have an Onnit Academy, an actual physical academy in Austin, state-of-the-art facility, awesome instruction, awesome classes, and 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. So go to O-N-N-I-T, use the code word ROGAN, and save 10% off any and all supplements. All right. Da, 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 da. Yeah. My guest today is Josh Zepps. Josh has been on the program uh, many times before. Josh uh, used to be... Um, he used to be with Huffington Post Live, and that's how I found out about him from uh, talking to him online. But now um, he has We the People Live, a podcast for the planet Earth. Hmm. Hmm. That's him. He's a very intelligent guy, very interesting guy. I really enjoy talking to him. Just um, very uh, broad and nuanced perspective on the life, the world, the life we live. Uh, so please welcome Josh Zepps. The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Yeehaw, Josh Zepps, we're live. Hello, mate. What's up, brother? How you doing? Uh, I'm good. I've been all over the place. You have been all over the I've place. I've been wandering. I don't, I'm not even on HuffPost Live anymore. I know, you're wandering. I'm a wanderer. You're we the people now. I'm, I'm all we the people all the way. I like calling myself unemployed. I think it's just more, I think there's more, it takes more cojones to just say that you're unemployed than but, to be like, well, I've got a lot of projects going on. Like, I'm, I've got a lot of fingers and a lot of pies, and I'm like, I'm freelance now. But aren't you self-employed? Yeah. So that's not unemployed. No, but I like fucking with people. Oh, you make them feel sad for you. Yeah, and make them feel, because people, people want you to immediately say like that you're doing okay, and unemployed makes you mm. sound like a bum. So I like starting from the lowest possible position. You should tell people that you're going to get a trailer, <laughs> and uh, you're going to travel across the country, get one of those things you drag behind your uh, car, mm-hmm. and you're just going to live out of it. And just yeah. Go and to the, national parks. The more out. weeks I don't have a full-time job, the stronger my accent's going to get until I'm just down in a little ding, 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 ding. Here's me and my trailer. I haven't had a, a job in 15 years. You can't go from Australian accent to I just did it. American I Southern. I just did it. I just did we it. We don't allow that. Many people say that things are impossible, Joe Rogan, but I'm here to prove them wrong. Isn't that interesting how, like, if you move to a place, you're not allowed to adopt the accent? Like, if an American moves to England, like, remember when Madonna, she was only there for, like, six months? Yeah. She started talking like this, and everybody's yeah. like, bitch, fuck out of here. Like, we know that people talk like that, <laughs> and we know it's a style of, it's an affectation. You decide to talk like that. You don't have yeah. to talk like that. You could... Obviously, when you watch British actors play Americans and do such a brilliant job of talking in an American accent, like the Walking Dead people, mm-hmm. when people find out that Rick is a yeah. fucking, he's, he's from England. They're yeah. all from England. The, the girl, Maggie, she's from England. Everybody's from fucking England. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people don't know that Aussies are Aussies as well, if they're doing all of the American accents. Yeah. I mean, how often does Russell Crowe not have an American accent in a movie? True. 
And yeah. uh, what's his face? Fucking Batman. Christian Bale? He's yeah, Australian, he, no, too. No, he's English. Ah, same shit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started on the differences between New Zealanders and Australians as well. There's, There's this whole thing about who... Uh, <laughs> fuck you. There's this it's whole the same uh, spot, right? Kind of. Kind of. It's about as different as Canada and America. Not really. Uh, Not very. Barely. Barely, barely. different. But, Close enough. Uh, there's a lot of dispute between the two countries about which one has to cop Mel Gibson. Because oh. Mel was, I think, born in... Was he born in New Zealand or something? There's some bullshit about whether he's American, Australian, or New Zealand. You can have him, <sighs> as long as he's not Australian. Everybody loved him for a while. He was so good. He was awesome. Just couldn't keep it together. No. Well, being a wildly anti-Semitic, racist, um, religious nutjob doesn't help. Do you think he's a crazy person, though? I don't know whether you, whether that means anything when you're that famous. Of course it does. It always means something. I mean, being that that famous doesn't discount certain biological realities of brain function. I think people have bad livers. Their livers go bad. People get lung cancer. People, without a doubt, develop brain diseases. Right. Whether or not it's a psychological disease, meaning it's a disease of thought processes and taking you down bad roads, those bad thought processes become ingrained and you continue them over and over again out of habit, or whether or not he's obviously an alcoholic. Right, so that's a real issue. He um, he's had well, massive I mean, uh, problems when with you, alcohol. When you like take lung cancer, for example, obviously the things that you do to your body are going to have a large impact on whether or not you're likely to get lung cancer. Sure. And similarly, I think that living in the rarefied atmosphere of being incredibly outrageously famous mm. probably puts grooves in your mental pathways that predispose yeah. you to being odd. Good point. Yeah, definitely. And as you get older, when things start to fall apart, you know, physically and psychologically and maritally and, you know, when he was with that crazy lady. I mean, that's what that is, is like the ultimate three quarter. It's not midlife. It's three quarters life like dilemma. Yeah. And how many people do you surround yourself with when you're at that level of superstardom who are willing to call bullshit on your bullshit? Right. Like, I think a healthy, famous person, we all know them. Are people mm-hmm. who are able to keep their heads screwed on because they still surround themselves with a posse who are like, ah, oh, get out of here. What are you doing with this? You, 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 you've got a Latin mass still doing the pre-Reformation Catholic mm. cl- like liturgies up on a hill in the Hollywood Hills, and you're talking about how Jews caused all the wars in the world. Get it? What are you doing? This is why people like buddy cop movies. Because in a buddy cop movie, Danny Glover would straighten him back out. Yeah. <laughs> he'd be like, come on, man, get it together. And then he would pull together and he'd stop being crazy. But What's when he's by le- himself in a fucking mountain in Malibu screaming at the help and yelling <laughs> at his Russian girlfriend, guy's suck car- my dick. What's the name of his character in Lethal Martin? Weapon? Do we, know, do we know what Mel Gibson's Martin at? Martin Riggs. Yeah. Yeah, Martin Riggs. So Mel Gibson needs a Danny Glover yeah. the way that Martin Riggs did. Well, he needs Danny Glover, the actual Danny Glover. Because if you pay attention to Danny Glover's Twitter feed and his social media feed, it's all about like uh, helping people out and charities and spirituality and consideration for the earth. And Danny Glover's got a really interesting oh, life. Oh, cool. I'll follow yeah. him. I didn't know that. He's a very uh, open-minded and intelligent guy from the few things that I've paid attention to. I think Danny Glover's like paying attention to the world. I love so it really, when... They should be together for real. Yeah. <laughs> I, love it when, I love it when people who you admire... Who craft you admire grow into being something more than that and like sort of spiritually enlightened. It was like when Gary Shandling died. Uh, you know, he had become someone who was super interested in really interesting things. I mean, he was... Had he? I didn't yeah. know. I didn't, yeah, I really didn't know much about him. I didn't either until I, I, I was following him on Twitter. And the day that he died, I went to his Twitter page to see what his last tweets were. 
and and saw that he was following me for some strange reason, which made made me feel like all the more kind of close to him, and started going back through all of his old tweets, and he's he was just interested in spirituality, meditation, all the kinds of shit that mm. you and I are interested in. I didn't know him. I met him like re- very briefly, like hi, nice to meet you at the um, Comedy and Magic Club. Never really got a chance to talk to him. Mm. But God, what a funny guy! Hilarious. That Larry Sanders show was amazing. I mean, I mean, two of the most groundbreaking sitcoms, like all of the all of those sitcoms that now, like Modern Family and everything, all have the same. Like this is a pseudo documentary, and mm-hmm. these people are for some reason talking to the camera. It doesn't really make any sense anymore. Like, why is this documentary being made about these Modern Family people? How long is this documentary? Why are yeah. they always like it's been on for nine years or something? Where's the documentary crew? Why are they talking to the camera? It's the the whole conceit has broken down. But all of those shows owe their genesis to Gary. Shandling to the yeah. fact that he did the Larry Sanders show. Larry Sanders show and it's Gary Shandling show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he had some great stuff, really great stuff. So what's this shit about Facebook? I just walked in here and uh, and you you told me that there are these pieces about how Facebook workers are admitting that they routinely suppressed conservative news from the Facebook news feed? Yeah, I actually got it from Steven Crowder. He sent it to me and then I looked it up and then I saw it was on Gizmodo and I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like this uh, enforcement of uh, liberal... Liberal ideas. Former Facebook workers says we routinely suppress conservative news, so uh, they would keep conservative news from trending, and they would um, uh, they would uh, inject stories that weren't trending. They would inject them into the trending stories if they matched their ideologies. I mean, this is so dangerous and upsetting for even if you are a complete like liberal fascist and all and you don't believe in freedom of speech or freedom of ideas but jamie had a really interesting point what's that he was saying but when you look at the believers like the justin bieber fans they overwhelm the trending to the point where twitter <laughs> became the justin bieber show and then the twitter had to go okay all right settle the fuck down all these little 16 year old girls are finger banging themselves and slamming their their fucking iphones and trying to get this guy you know and try to pay attention to this guy constantly 24 hours a day those believers are out of their fucking mind but that doesn't mean but what did twitter do something about that and actually deprioritize justin bieber tweets is that a long time ago like two or three years into twitter starting they're if there's 10 trending topics, I believe, I remember it was like seven out of the 10 were all Justin Bieber this, I love Justin Bieber, whatever it was at the time. <laughs> seven out of the 10. <laughs> I forgot to bring that up with Dan Arbach from the Arcs and the Black Keys when he was here because he got into it with Beliebers. Oh, really? Like they got into They got mad at oh, him. Oh, man. Don't oh, fuck my them God. off. Of all the people you could, just in sheer numbers, it's like, it's like taking on a fight with an army of fire ants. You're just not going to win. You know what's interesting? They get mad at you if you're older than them, but if you use Twitter. Like, it's one of the things that they love to say. Like, you fucking old man, why are you even on Twitter? Like, as if... My generation invented it! They're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to... They're, they're acknowledging that this is a stupid behavior. And they would assume that you're old enough that you realize it's a stupid <laughs> behavior. And you should be better than them. That's, <laughs> saying, I'm allowed to be an immature little yes. bitch. I'm 14. What's yeah, your excuse, Joe? That, there's something to that. There's something to that is a part of what they're saying. Yeah. Part of, they're dif- acknowledging the ridiculousness. The difference between deprioritizing Belieber tweet hashtags and yes. and you know and using your uh, your status as the most important social media information company in the world. Unless you're a Belieber, and then I don't see your point, bro. I went on Twitter <laughs> looking for what's important, what people are actually talking about. They're talking about Justin fucking Bieber. Did you know you got a face tattoo? No, Jamie told me. 
Why, Jamie, Jamie why do you even know these things? Jamie will why tell you the status of Beyonce and, and Jay Z's get- wedding 24 hours a day at any given time. <sighs> you can text, how's, uh, how's Bay and Jay doing right now? They okay? And Jamie will let you know. What's the latest? He Jamie's, black Jamie's grinning like the Cheshire cat. He's just like, yep, that's me. That's all me. That's what he does. He wears Yeezys. What? He buys Yeezys. But the, the, you... <laughs> <laughs> Where is Justin Bieber's face tattoo, Jamie? It is right below his eye. Let's take a look. What, is like, it like uh, a tear or something? Yeah, what is it? Sort of in that spot. I'm trying it's to it's about predictable. Jesus. It's a Jesus tattoo. Please tell me you're shitting me. It's a Jesus it's tattoo. very small. Let's go with it. It's it looks like a oh, okay. It's a cross, bro. It Get, does look like Zoom a, in on that bitch. It looks like a mole. That's as far as I can go. It won't go what? Yeah. That's as big as it gets? Someone must have a better version. It's a cross, though, right? I think it's, this guy has one, too, next to him. Oh, they're gay. No, they're gay together. They're banging that, each other. <laughs> Those two guys are banging each other. If you can't tell the difference between your tattoo and just a facial blemish... You got the wrong tattoo, dude. No, he's got the right tattoo because he's starting off like that. See, what it is is he wants to be like one of those uh, black guys like Birdman who has tattoos all over his face. Yeah. He just doesn't have that kind of balls. So he's going to go with a little tiny thing that he could eventually get lasered off. Whatever, whatever. Not that big a deal, you know? Like, who's got a lot of, like, stitches? Is that his name? That white rapper's got an AK-47 tattooed on the side of his face. Have you ever seen him? No. Oh, he's the best. As far as the worst. (laughs) As far as like... (laughs) If by best, you mean the worst person in the world. Worst examples of art. Oh, he's got more tattoos now? Oh, wow. That's beautiful. He's got them on his neck and his forehead now. And what is... But the coolest thing about it is he's got like basically the Joker uh, mm-hmm. like s- scars coming out of the sides of his mouth that look like they've got stitches, hence his name, Stitches. Yeah. Well, he even has it on his lips, like above his lips and to the sides and the left and the right. What is the latest thing that he's got? He's got a star on his face, too. The AK-47. Well, he's got a star where Justin Bieber has his little, uh, his little mole. That's the hot spot. I gotta get me one of those. That's like the dumb dude's version of a lower back tattoo. It's like a tramp stamp for retards. (laughs) That's what it is. (laughs) But just it's just the visibility of it everywhere that would that would freak me out. I got a couple of tattoos, but they're not in places where I'm always going to be seen with them. Not that it matters for Justin Bieber. It's not like he's going to be going to a job interview and having to impress them. That's true. But oh yeah, that's Gucci Mane. Gucci Mane had an ice cream with an ice cream cone tattooed on his face with lightning bolts, and it says Burr. B R R. <laughs> you know why that is. And he also had some shit written under his eyelids. What does yeah. that say? What does it say on his eyelids? Looks like old egg. Yeah, it looks like all oh, that or initials, mm. but yeah, yeah old so- egg. It's, uh, it's ingenious that he's, uh, that he's got burr written on the ice cream because, uh, you know, ice cream is cold. Mm. And when people are cold, they say burr. Mm-hmm. So see what he's done there? That's a good point. He's combined the word burr with the yeah. visual iconography of an ice cream, yeah. thereby linking these two formerly disparate concepts in one beautiful tattoo. How about this dude who copied him? Look at the guy next to him. He copied Gucci Mane. That's even stupider. Yeah. He went with Burr, too. He's like, man, maybe I'll get some of Gucci's runoff. <laughs> Bitches to see me at the diner. Be like, yo, Gucci. Like, What's up? You want to fuck? Uh, oh, dear. <laughs> anyway, the implications of uh, Justin Bieber being deprioritized on Twitter, I still contend can't believe you're going back to not this. As, not as great <laughs> as, as the implications of Facebook uh, hiding conservative news stories from its users on its news feed. Well, it's, it's very unfortunate that someone uh, did this, but it's very important that the workers told us that they did this. Yes. Because it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be an impartial 
I guess aggregator. I mean, what is what would you call Facebook? It's a portal, well, portal for stories the that, thing that is, are trending. They've never they've never claimed that what you see is just the most recent thing that is coming up, right? True. I mean, right. all of it is algorithms. So the things that you tend to click on, and the things that you tend to look at, and the things that you tend to like, and the stories that you tend to click through to, all go into their gigantic algorithm crunching machine, which I just imagine as being like a big Willy Wonka machine spewing <laughs> with steam coming, a pink steam coming out the top, and boop, boop. <laughs> exactly little munchkin. Little toy train <laughs> circling it. <laughs> you put in all of the data, and then out the other end, the Oompa Loompas c- c- compile your Facebook feed. And, and so they're making judgments all the time about what, what they're going to prioritize. But what they shouldn't be doing is including any kind of their own political preferences. And we right. don't yet know if it's actually true, or it, this, it just looks like this is one person who's saying this. Mm, but my problem with point. it is even if, you, even if you, you condone these kinds of policies and you're a liberal... You don't know what impact it's going to have and whether or not by putting this stuff out, people are going to get more liberal. Maybe they'll get more frustrated with liberal ideas and they'll become more conservative. It's more Maybe. likely to be that. Yeah. It's, it fuels the idea that being a liberal is being a person that's detached from reality. And that's one of the the, the major points of criticism. When, when, when the conservative people go after the liberals, one of the major things that they try to harp on is that liberals are out of touch with reality. Yeah. And when, when you have something like this and you're reinforcing the idea that they're shielding certain aspects of reality, like that some people have these conservative opinions. And if some people have a conservative opinion and you disagree with that conservative opinion, that's where the open exchange and the marketplace of ideas comes into place. Now, if you don't allow that exchange to take place because you deny that people think that way because you hide the stories, you're going to alienate and you're going to create these confirmation bias forums. You're going to create these places where people like Salon.com, where people just... They agree with each other to the point, and then they tell you why. You know, uh, why is Josh Zepps the worst? We'll tell you why. And mm-hmm. then, then they, they tell you. They ask a question. And there's always like eight points, like eight reasons why Josh Zepps yeah. is the worst. Here's why he's terrible. Only eight? I can yeah. give, give you a dozen. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's not news anymore. They're, they're so hysterically ridiculous. They're it, so off the deep end. I mean, it used to be the case that we thought of progressives and liberals as being more pro-free speech. Yes. At least I did. I it thought of them be as being on the side of more inclusiveness and more tolerance. And it's becoming increasingly not the case at all, that there's more politically correct bullshit and more censorship and more imposing, less tolerance of, each, of other people's ideas on the left, even than on, than on the right. I, I 100% believe that, but I believe it's the pendulum effect. I think it's the suppression of free speech by the conservatives in the Bush administration that fuck people up so sideways, they bounce back the other way ultra hard. Mm. I think people got so angry at what was going on with John Ashcroft covering statues up with drapes and oh, I loved that. all the craziness that was going on in that administration and all the suppression of gay rights. And- Does everyone know about that? The fact that oh, John yeah. Ashcroft actually had the penis on a statue, on an old <laughs> Roman or Grecian statue, which was like in one of the great... Great, you know, temples down in Washington D.C. covered up yeah. because he was so puritanical <laughs> that he didn't want a, a naked penis from an ancient statue. He was to be visible. so disturbing that that guy got into office. You know, yeah. one of the one of the guys that uh, I correspond with online, he had something to do with some record store, and he sent me an album of uh, gospel songs that John Ashcroft had made with some other dude. He was fucking, and probably yeah. still is, batshit crazy. Well, I mean, they, they, they kind of, what do you call it, like, 
when you you stack they they basically stacked the Bush administration with a lot of crazy people yeah. like that like the first especially the first uh, administration of the Bush administration the 2000 2004 man you look at some of those people they they're basically theocrats mm-hmm. i mean they're not that different from a christian version of what the iranian leaders are well not only that they're so caricaturish that they seem like characters in a movie, like a bad action movie. <laughs> I mean, you think about what you've got. You've got Donald Rumsfeld and, and Dick Cheney, two people arguably forged in the center of the earth. I mean, they're, they're fucking straight up evil. Right? Dick Cheney is straight up evil. He got to a point where he didn't have a fucking heart. Yeah. You know? I mean, the guy had an artificial heart put in, yeah. which was pumping his blood through he his does. body with no Doesn't pulse. Doesn't he still have no pulse? No, he had a transplant. He had a, a, oh, does he have a live heart They now? found some dude and cut his fucking heart out. You, you bet a, your ass they did. With one well, of those we stone just, knives. We happen, to have a, we happen to have a match. <laughs> yeah, bullshit, you happen to have a match. Yeah. Went out there and killed somebody. Yeah, some Secret Service agent disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> one Secret Service agent on a really healthy diet. <laughs> <laughs> fucking cut that guy open like a fish. You can just imagine they've probably got like a Tinder for for Dick Cheney, where he's just swiping left and swiping right on the people who they're going to kill for his heart. You got a twenty three year old. Yeah, he he, good. he and Ashcroft and uh, there was there was a whole bunch of them. Wolfowitz. I mean, that guy just looked like a demon. Mm. You know, think. I mean, all of those f- fucking that the whole administration was filled with chicken hawks. That were all about Jesus and wanted to go over there and kick some ass and, and fucking blow shit up. It's interesting you mentioned Wolfowitz because in terms of like what we're saying about the left is can be intolerant of other ideas. A lot of these guys, especially Wolfowitz, were former um, Marxists. When when Wolfowitz was young at university, he was a revolutionary Marxist. Whoa! And it's interesting that oftentimes people who are who are hyper revolutionary socialists can flip into becoming hyper like Ayn Randian idealistic. Yeah reactionaries and there's the same kind of like when you it's it's not that different when you think about it like people think of them as being ideas that are at the end of a political spectrum but it's actually actually more like a horseshoe right where at one end you think that you can overthrow the capitalist system and create a utopia in which everyone is going to be be equal and it's going to be from each according to his ability to each according to his need and then at the other end you believe that you can wipe societies clean, you can go into Iraq and raise everything and then start from fresh and democracy will spring up and people will be able to live in peace. I mean, they're both basically kind of messianic, utopian ideas about change instead of the sort of change that I think actually works, which is just incremental, grudging change, bit by bit, slowly eking it out. Like, yeah. That's not what Cheney and, and Wolfowitz think the world is all about. No, they tried to force change and force change at home and abroad. Mm. And that's that's where like the conspiracy theories come in about nine eleven and the attacks and Dick Cheney saying that we need something like an, a, a new Pearl Harbor and that's where people really freak out because they look at how much people actually did profit from that event so they go well okay is it possible that someone had a part in letting that event happen or helping that event happen or ignoring the fact that, that event was going to happen and allowing it to happen or is it a matter of people just capitalizing on an event which is what the most logical point of view is that they, they're just incompetent, the event happened, and then they capitalized on it like any good dictatorship does. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I do think, like, when you look at how incompetently they managed uh, Iraq, when like, you look at how incompetently they managed Katrina, when you look at how incompetently they managed things that they wanted to get right, the idea that they could have pulled off something like that within eight months of entering office, I find implausible. Like, whenever the, if I have to choose between incompetence versus a massive conspiracy, 
I usually yes. think people are just generally incompetent. But How then- do you even start that conversation? How do you even say, listen, <laughs> hear this out. Before you get crazy, hear this out. I got an idea. We got to talk some dudes into flying planes into the World Trade Center, Towers 1 and 2. We're going to hijack planes filled with people. And we're going to talk these guys into flying them into the, into the buildings. They'd be like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Who the fuck is going to do that? Religious people. You got to get them to believe that there's a bunch of pussy waiting for them in heaven, and all they have to do is fly these planes in the buildings to get that pussy. Uh, yeah, but see, Joe, these plans had long been hatched mm. because there were there were camps in Afghanistan mm. which we were funding. Mm. Is that your Alex Jones impression? I can feel it coming on. We no, close. No, Alex Jones. No. no, Alex Jones would be yelling at me right now, explaining why I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I just, also, there's a much easier way to have done it, which is if they if you wanted a pretext to go into Iraq. All you'd need to do would be – I was talking to a, a national defense guy about this. He was like, there was a no-fly zone over Iraq. The CIA could have painted a U.S. plane, the Iraqi colors, and just faked a shoot-down of a U.S. or British jet that was patrolling the no-fly zone, and you would have a, a clear – a much clearer case, actually, in international law to go to war than the vague case that they did do because they didn't – I mean, it wasn't connected to 9-11, so they had to make up this shit about WMDs and all that sort of stuff. You could easily have orchestrated something without bringing down the World Trade Towers that would have given you a good reason to go into Iraq. Well, that was one of the main reasons why a lot of people um, bought into – do you know about Operation Northwoods? Do you know that story? That, I've only heard you talk about it, yeah. The Operation Northwoods, that was that exact plan to get people to go to war with Cuba, to get mm. us excited about it. They were yeah. going to blow up an American drone. They were going to send a jetliner up in the air with no one in it and shoot it out of the sky. They were going to arm Cuban friendlies and attack Guantanamo Bay. That was the main idea behind it. It was like, this would be the way we could get people excited about going to war with Cuba because, you know, that whole... Bay of Pigs and all that fucking disaster that happened yeah. when Kennedy was in office. I mean, and then the missile crisis. There was a lot of tension going on with Cuba. So they had concocted this idea. It's called Operation Northwoods. It was signed by the Joint Chiefs of Staff. So they went with it. Mm. Like they were like, sounds like democracy. And they, let's just fucking lie to people and blow shit up and kill Americans. They were going to fucking kill Americans in Guantanamo Bay. Oh, you and bet. Blame they, it on the Cubans. I'm sure they have. And because they're so, because they're such unscrupulous assholes and they do all of, they, they do these legitimate conspiracy theories, that's mm-hmm. what gives people reasons to believe in the more, in what I regard as being the much more ridiculous conspiracy theories. Yes. But it would be a lot better if they just didn't do any of this shit in the first place. And then people wouldn't be out of their minds being so suspicious about whether or not 9 11 was an inside job well there's also there was the word that dick cheney was discussing the possibility of doing something like that for iran before they left office they were talking about orchestrating a false flag on iran before they left office and they never pulled it off whether or not that's true or not remains to be seen but it's not outside the realm of possibility. I mean, no. it happened in so many different times in history. When Nero burnt Rome, when Hitler burned the Reichstag, when, I mean, the, the whole, uh, what happened to get us into Vietnam. Well, that's right. Like the Gulf of Tonkin and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, the Gulf like of Tonkin. They yeah. pretended we got shot No, that's down. right. And there's also, you don't even have to go as far as like the Nazis, just in terms of what the CIA has done in counter, counterinsurgency operations in South, South America and stuff, the involvement in the coup in 1973 in Chile. I was reading up about that lately because I went to Chile a couple of years ago. I mean, it's it's not that they absolutely, completely manufacture total bullshit from whole cloth, but they 
give voice to conspiracy theories in those particular uh, countries. They fund uh, media outlets that are that are spreading, you know, what the CIA wants to to get heard, and they just basically put their finger on the scales of something so that it goes another way. I mean, the democratically elected government in Chile was overthrown by a brutal military dictatorship, which then lasted for an entire generation, thanks largely to the CIA. I mean, and we, and we don't even think or hear or learn about that stuff. And do you think that it's possible for them to go, listen... <clears throat> You got to break some eggs to make an omelet. Yeah, okay? sure. I, Look, you I, want I totally America to be America, it. land yes. of the free, home of the brave? Well, yes. there's only one way. We got to fucking lie to you. We got to kick some ass. There's mm-hmm. a lot of shit we'd like to tell you, but the world works in a really fucked up way, and you yep. don't want to know about that because you want to watch Real Housewives. Exactly. So this is what we're going to do. No, and I, I have, I actually have some sympathy for that idea. I, I, a friend of a friend of mine was is the former director of the CIA. I spent a Thanksgiving with him once down in Washington D.C. Did you look in his basement? No. It's all skulls. Just open the door, it's skulls roll out in the hallway. What the fuck? Uh, and when I talk to people like that, yeah, I do understand that our vision of the world is a very small sliver and can be quite naive. Very like, naive. Their yeah. attitude is when you're actually working in the national security apparatus, there is apparatus? Hmm. Apparatus. You might have made a word up. That'll do. I just apparatus? did. Apparatus? Sure. I think, you'd think you made up a word, but it sounds so did. good. I if like you, it. If you didn't just like stop yourself, then the apparatus would be a new word. A lot of people at home would have went, I'm go- okay. <laughs> Seems like a smart guy. Uh, if you actually work there, then I think your outlook is basically what you just articulated, which is um, it'll be lovely if we all lived in a world where with ice cream and candy and where the lions l- slept with the lambs and, yeah. the, and the postman hugged the dogs and we were all dancing in the streets. <laughs> but listen, Honcho, it's a tough world out there, and either the Saddam Husseins and the Putins are going to rule it or we are. And sometimes you have to break a few eggs in order to make an omelette, and sometimes you have to do things that, that, uh, that might not seem pretty on the surface. But I'll tell you what, we're the ones who are standing on the wall watching guard, so you go about your little business and we'll take care of shit. I heard the national anthem playing while you said that. <laughs> I really did. Which one? The Australian America, one? America, <laughs> America, God shed his grace on thee. Wait, I that's heard not music. the national anthem. Whatever. That's it's America the Beautiful. It's all the same Are shit. you even American? I'm Probably barely. Canadian or something. Barely American. Uh, America the Beautiful should be the national anthem. Can I just say yeah, that? It's, it's a great good song. Yeah. Much better. Yeah. Star Spangled Banner. I can well, Star Spangled Banner has rockets in it, though. I'm, I'm going to probably stick mm. with that. The rockets' red glare. And the rockets' red glare. Yeah. The bombs bursting in air. What? Yeah. The bombs <laughs> are bursting in air? That's in our fucking <laughs> national anthem? I love how warmongering so many <laughs> national anthems are. Like the French. The French one it literally has <laughs> lyrics about the blood of our enemies will fill the canals of France. Whoa. It's like, it's serious shit. That's unrealistic. <laughs> How many people you have to kill? You just, you guys are just lying. There's no not way. Not happen. Bombs actually could burst in air. Okay, they could you, and you do and have fill the canals of blood. Who right. the fuck are you killing, man? <laughs> you have to kill probably. everybody. You'd have to kill everybody on the planet to fill the canals of blood. There'd be no one left. Well, I mean, they killed a lot of Germans, and the Germans killed a lot of Russians. Have you seen some of the numbers? There's a great graphic that I think like Vox produced or something about the number of people in total who were killed in in the world wars. Mm. Each one represented like each thousand or million or something is represented by a little block. I don't even. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. But it's just crazy when you start seeing how many people were... You're like, oh, this is a lot who were killed in, for example, the Iraq War, and it goes back to Vietnam, you know, World War One, But World War Two, like, the, the, towards the final few years of World War Two, even excluding the Holocaust, just looking at people, like, the, mainly Russians, it's just... It's just millions upon millions upon millions of people, like 20 million people. We don't think about the, the Russians that died in World War Two. No. Either. They, that, a lot more of them died than us, and often, I mean, if you talk to a, a military historian, 
what really ended the war. Yes, D-Day was important, but but the Soviets won the war. I mean, this, it was it was the fact that the Nazis were just hemorrhaging in the east that meant that they couldn't put up any defenses in the in the west. So D-Day was a you know. Not to insult the, our great forefathers who fought there, but D-Day was a little bit of a walk in the park in comparison to what was happening on the Eastern Front. Well, there was a lot going on all across the world. But um, one of the scariest things about France and what happened to them during World War II is the amount of France to this day that you literally can't even visit because it's so filled with waste from all the bombs that were dropped. Mm-hmm. Have you seen there's an area larger than Paris that's completely fenced in, and you can't go in it no. because it's got so much munitions and so many bombs that were dropped there. It's so fucked up that it'll be that way for something like a hundred thousand years or something crazy. I mean, it's fu- for poison gas and, and all just, kinds of shit. And there they are did. bodies. There are just still bodies, just bones and shit. There's this little town in northern France called Villers Bretonne where the Aussies were. I mean, you know, no one ever thinks about the Aussies and the New Zealanders and all those little countries who were fighting there as well. But of course, they had their own little little plots that they had to had to fight. And there was this big heroic stand against the Germans, which the Aussies were in charge of at Villers Bretonne. And still to this day, in the little in the schools, in the elementary schools there, they sing the Australian national anthem. They have little Australian flags flying and stuff because their fields are just littered with the bodies of Australians Whoa. in northern France from the World War. Wow, that's crazy. Nutty. What were we doing over there? Doesn't make any sense. Opposite side of the world. Should have just stayed home. Well, I think we saw some of those Hitler speeches and we went, okay, yeah. we're going to have to do something here. This yeah. is this guy, this guy might, he might have the right stuff to fucking become the real Darth Vader. Yeah. That's a, that, that charismatic person who's completely insane that wants to conquer the world and gets a whole nation behind him is so Donald Trump. I mean, is so crazy and scary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what we're look. He's not trying to take over the world, but it shows you how problematic personality can be when it comes to someone being chosen to be the leader. Especially to this day, in in this day rather, we're so soft. This day of food coming on these little styrofoam trays and being able to pull up to Wendy's and get a fucking cheeseburger in fifteen seconds. We're so weak, and it's so easy to exist. That we're excited about this guy possibly like overturning the apple cart, where people are. are Boy, and we don't have any it. people don't have any other options no, as well. I feel like even more you know, Bernie up. and Trump were the were the ways in different ways yeah. that people had that people who've been shat on for a long time, white working class dudes mostly, yeah. have to like. I mean, when you look at the the fact that middle you know incomes of middle american has been stagnating for the past 30 years manufacturing has been in decline like there haven't been there hasn't been a rise in working class incomes in america yeah. since the 80s i was surprised that elizabeth warren didn't get more traction it seems like once that Native American stuff came out about her, she just went, okay, I'm just going to step over I here. I honestly think she believes that she's more useful in the Senate. Maybe, but you know the Native American stuff. Yeah, yeah. Where she faked a Native American heritage yeah. in order to get some sort of a scholarship or when something When I like hear that. things like that, I my brain, it just hits the, this is probably a beat-up part of my brain, and it just goes straight out my ear, because I don't, I don't really give a shit about stuff like really? that. Really? You don't care about someone faking their ethnicity? Well, I didn't, lo- I didn't look into it enough. Cause to I, me, it's... Would she have needed it, to? She's like a brilliant woman. What, why, why was she doing it? Well, she because, wanted to get into a university? She wouldn't have gone question. into it. Pull that up, Jamie. Find out what the fuck that was all about. But 
Um, I don't know. I mean, who knows if she actually did it? Maybe someone else did it, and she sort of went with it. It's, well, I mean, it's so if it's, difficult if it's a to Rachel, tell without talking to her. If it's a Rachel Dolezal thing, mm-hmm. where someone has spent their whole life pretending to be something that they're not, then I think yes, that's there's a quite a few of those out there, though. Yeah, then I, I I do think that that's disqualifying. But I feel yeah. like if the only thing that your political opponents can dig up on you is that you filled out a form wrong. But that's not filling out a form wrong. It's being deceptive about your ethnicity in order to take advantage of like people that are undermined by society. I mean, when you go with Native right, American. Right. Let's kill her. <laughs> <laughs> Let's behead her. Let's put her into Trump's it's concentration camps. It's only black and white in America. We don't have any grays. Uh is, yeah, Trump is in, is fascinating, isn't he? I can't believe it's actually going to happen. Um, oh, he might win. He's yep. he's real close to winning because I just don't know whether or not Hillary can hold up to scrutiny when you're talking about her being under two criminal investigations in the right now, right now, mm. in the immediate future. There's two criminal investigations going on. They just gave immunity <clears throat> to the guy who set up that email server. Mm-hmm. They just uh, deported him. They brought him over to America, or extradited him. What did they do? What's that called? They bring yeah, him over to America. Yeah. They brought him over to America and gave him immunity. So what the fuck, man? What what is going to happen now? Well, yeah, we are one. Uh, I, I was talking to Artie. The guy Lang. Who hacked it, rather. The, the, the oh, right, the right. Immunity. Yeah, um, I was talking to Artie Lang on uh, on my podcast about. Which no, people wait a minute, that's get. not true. Hold on a second. They they gave immunity to the guy who set up the server. They extradited the guy who created the hack. They, he doesn't have immunity. Where's he the from? The guy who hacked. I think he's from Romania. Of course he is. is. That right? Of course he's from Romania. The guy who hacked into the server, the email servers, and exposed all that. I want to say he's from a very small rural town in Romania. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Even if that's not true, I like that picture. I like that image of him just in a shed in a barn in the middle of nowhere in icy cold Romania. I think it's true though. Romanian, yep, Romanian hacker, Guccifer. I breached Clinton's server. It was easy. Yeah. Though this guy, he got arrested and he's in jail. But the guy who set up the actual server itself, by the way, which is in her bathroom. Okay, what? Why would mm. you put a server in your bathroom? Exactly. Okay, who knows? But that guy got immunity, and this the, guy got the Clintons extra. are just so frustratingly paranoid. Even if there was nothing, even if she wasn't doing anything wrong, the fact that she's so paranoid as to it, need to set that up because she's so terrified that someone's going to get access to her emails. Well, you know what they is, did? They spent a million dollars to fight off social media opinions. Do you know about this? No. Look at this. <clears throat> The PAC spends $1 oh, yeah, million dollars to that. correct yeah. commenters on Reddit and Facebook. A million dollars. They yeah. spend a million dollars to fight off people that don't like Clinton. I mean, they're, what they're doing is they're trying to engineer public support, a public support that Bernie Sanders has got organically. Yeah. That becomes that really Trump dangerous. Trump has organically. Trump has organically, too. Maybe. We don't know. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> what, he does, what he does have is even people who hate him acknowledge that he is not full of bullshit and that he's not, being, he's not spouting someone else's lines, right? right? He doesn't seem manufactured. He's obviously not 100%. a conventional politician. I can dislike all of his policies as much as I do, but I can still regard him as being a breath of fresh air. Hold on. You don't like his policies? <laughs> what about the wall? <laughs> the wall's a great idea. Uh, are you a Pink Floyd fan? I am a Pink Floyd fan. <laughs> Actually, I don't think the wall is the craziest of, is even close to his craziest of ideas. What's I mean, the craziest? Uh, keeping Muslims out of the country? Yeah, probably not allowing any non-citizen Muslim into the United <clears throat> States is, is not only crazy, but incredibly dangerous. Because I think the, that if we want to be able to conquer uh, Islamism and jihadism and Islamist terrorism, we've got to find a way of... I mean, our best resources are moderate Muslims inside the United States, right? Who can... Mm-hmm who have their ear to the ground, who will notice uh, mosques that might be becoming radicalized. You want to appear to be a friendly, uh, tolerant 
democracy. And of course you want to put in place all the security precautions that are necessary and you don't want to just be allowing millions of, of unscreened people to come pouring in the way that they have in Europe. But we don't have that problem here because we've got oceans between us, so we, we can ch- pick and choose who Well, that's who also in. why it gets really weird when you start talking about the CIA and the CIA infiltrating different organizations. It's like that's where you kind of support it. You kind of support clandestine behavior and sneakiness and deception because they're they're pretty good at it. They've yeah. been doing it for a long time and they know how to get deep into organizations. You know, like you ever see the show Homeland? Yeah, of course. Come on, bro. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> was that a documentary? No. <laughs> uh, I mean, the idea of a wall to me, but I come from a country, Australia, which is surrounded, it's an island. Right. So, like, of course there are not that like the idea of people just pouring across the border back and forth and coming in for seasonal seasonal work and like that to me does strike me as as odd yeah right well, that there's a that there's an undefended border i don't i don't i don't think it would be a good investment of money i think it's silly i think it's a distraction if you talk to technology experts they say that there are much better ways of of securing the border than with a physical wall you can have drones and things and you can have you know all kinds of crazy shit um but because people will dig under a wall or they'll climb over a wall. It's not, it's, not, it's not nearly as sophisticated as the kind of technology that you could use. But I don't think that there's anything inherently like, bigoted about it. I think deporting every single person who's here illegally is an overreaction. And you, like, Have you seen the stats about how many 747s full of people you would need to get all, of, all 11 million undocumented uh, people in America? There's more than 11 million years? in L.A., by the way. This idea that there's 11 million undocumented people in America is fucking hilarious. Get on the 405 at 3 in the afternoon (laughs) and look around because there's fucking millions and millions of people that are from Canada. That are from Canada, millions of people from Mexico, millions of people from all sorts of spots that aren't supposed to be here. They got visas and stayed. Mm -hmm. That shit is rampant. I know. And the bloody Aussies, not to mention. Go to Santa Monica. Every barista's an Aussie. You guys don't let anybody in Australia either. Like boatloads of people. To try to get Not over if there, they come illegally. That. Spin them around, light them on fire, and push <laughs> them out to the ocean. People don't, maybe people don't fucking play over there. Australia's, Australia's policy has been since the 80s that uh, you have a, high, a very high level of legal migration and a high level of refugees of refugee intake. Like on a per capita basis, Australia is one of certainly the top 10 most generous countries in terms of people coming in. More than half of the population of Australia has arrived since the Second World War. Really? Yep. So wow. it's actually a higher immigrant proportion country than the United States even If you do it is. legally. If you do it legally. But we have this quite controversial and pretty inhumane, but I suppose defensible policy, which is if you pay a people smuggler to make your way all the way from Afghanistan or Iran or wherever it is you're coming from or Syria, and you pass through a bazillion other different countries, through Malaysia, through Singapore, you make your way down to Indonesia, and you're rich enough to get on a boat that then comes to Australia, you will never be settled in Australia. Really? Never, ever, ever. Never. You'll be intercepted and you'll be sent to uh, one of a couple of Pacific Island nations. There's a place called Manus Island in Papua New Guinea, I believe. There's another place called Nauru, which is a country in its own right. And they have set up these big detention centers there and people can end up there for years or even decades while their cases get heard it's really barbaric people sew their fucking lips together in protest one guy just set himself on fire in front of united nations inspectors who were there it's really not pretty stuff but the government says listen we used to have under the under the previous government which relaxed these policies fifty thousand people died at sea trying to get to australia in boats including women and children now, almost nobody tries to come to Australia by boat anymore because they know they're never going to settle. So what do you prefer? A few hundred people 
basically being stuck in indefinite detention on some shitty Pacific island or 50,000 people dying at sea trying to get here because they think they're going to be resettled. Plus, Australia remains awesome. That's where it gets weird. It's pretty fucking badass there. So if you're trying to, like, look at the end result, you might go, man, the result might justify the means because, like, go to Melbourne. It's fucking beautiful. It's great. It's incredible. Yeah. It's like paradise. There's there's something about... Australia that to me it's like woo they might have it nailed there's only 20 million people in the entire country it's mm-hmm. a fucking huge country the landscape is gorgeous you don't have any ozone layer though no that's a problem everyone you do get cancer. you get sunburnt and you get cancer Instantly. Uh, yeah no Australia has 23 million people so what's that about half the population of California California is about 40 right that's LA yeah, so the greater, the greater LA area, if you, if you include, yeah, all the way up to Malibu and, yeah, yeah, and down, yeah. To, down to Long Beach and all that. Yeah. Uh, and th- that's, in, that's in an area the same size as the contiguous United States. Yeah, crazy. And everybody lives in the edges. Yeah. The and middle just is one just the middle spiders is all desert. and shit. <laughs> crocodiles and lizards. <laughs> Kangaroos and spiders. It's fucking nuts, man. It's a desert. crazy place. Yeah, but, but Canada's kind of like that. Canada's only got 35 million people, and it's bigger than the United States, even including Alaska. But it's fucking frozen most Again, of the time. Yeah, it's the same. Canada and Australia are kind of very similar in that they're enormous but totally inhospitable. I mean, you could no sooner live in most parts of Canada than you could live in most parts of Australia where there's just no water and no vegetation. Australia is desert. Canada is ice. But not really ice. You'd probably be better off trying Australia than you would Can- – I mean, trying Canada than you would Australia. Yeah, definitely. Because- well, you could, you could get water. You could make fires yeah. and stuff. People- I mean, if there's no water, you're screwed. Right. But yeah. there's a lot of people that live like I have some friends that live in Alberta. Mm-hmm. And they live way up there. Yeah. They they live in it's fucking cold shit. The winter time up there is like thirty, forty below zero. I yeah, mean it's crazy. But they live there, they're fine. You know? Well, I mean when modern with modern civilization, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be yeah. harder. And the other thing about Australia and Canada is as you say, we all huddle along a very, very narrow strip. In Australia that's the coast, and in mm-hmm. uh, Canada it's the border. Don't you think it's easier though to live in a cold climate than an inhospitably hot climate? Because you could dress for a cold climate. You can get in your car, you drive around, you're all right, you get in your house, it's warm. But hot climates are fucking scary. Mm. Like it gets too hot to survive outside. For whatever reason that's way scarier because you can't dress for it. Like, you could wear, like, really insulated clothes, and you could actually stand outside at 10 below. But you if grew you're up outside, in the Northeast, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're outside and it's 130 degrees outside, you're fucked. I feel like this, is ju- this just comes from what you're used to. I reckon because you grew up in the Northeast, you, you're not as scared of the cold. I've, I, I find, like, when I first moved to New York, I remember saying to people back in Australia... Why is there even a city here? Why Why did anyone ever come across the ocean and build a fucking city here where it's literally so cold that a dog's piss on the sidewalk will turn into ice? Yeah. It's, like I'm, it's like I'm in the TV show The Dome and it's just a giant freezer because I never had the conception of actually being sub-freezing. Like, shit is just freezing. You should not be living anywhere where if you fell over drunk at night and hit your head, you would be dead by the morning. Yeah, but then again, um, shouldn't yes, we get it's... rid of some dummies? <laughs> shouldn't we thin the herd a little bit? You know, if you're fucking falling asleep out in the street drunk. I mean, it's sad when it happens to people. You hear about it with, like, college kids. They freeze to death. It happens, like, every other year or so. Mm. Some college kid in New Hampshire will get drunk, fall asleep outside, and freeze to death. Shouldn't be living there. Don't do it. 
Move all of Canada and the Northeast <laughs> down to the mid-Atlantic states it's, and be done with it. It's not bad, though. If you have warm clothes, if you have warm clothes, you could survive up there. It's not that bad. Well, I mean, if you have air conditioning, you could. But people like, live in Phoenix. But sub, no, but sub-zero temperatures. Like, if it's zero outside, you can walk around. You can go places. Mm. Like, if it's 130 degrees outside, you can't go anywhere. That's true. You can not only go places when it's sub-freezing. I have been swimming. My sister-in-law is Finnish, and in Finland, they go in the saunas, and then they go out and swim in lakes in the middle of nowhere when it is minus 22 degrees. I've been swimming in a lake when it's minus 22 degrees. The whole thing is frozen over. Oh, my God. They just chip a hole in it? Yeah, they don't need to chip it. They uh, they have a hose, like a water spout, so the water keeps moving so that it can't oh. form ice. Uh, and uh, I mean, maybe they start by chipping it, but it's basically like a bubbling cold <sighs> pool, and you sit in the sauna, which is, you know, it's it's nudging a hundred degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is two hundred, you know, two hundred degrees Fahrenheit or something. Mm. And then you come out through the air, which is minus twenty uh, Fahrenheit. I think it crosses uh, Fahrenheit and Celsius cross over around in the low minus twenties. And then you get in the water. You can't put your head under because you can go into this condition where your your brain essentially shuts down and goes into freeze. But, uh, yeah, Ooh, oh, there you go. There's an image of people in, uh, people in Finland. They love it. So that looks like they cut a hole in the ice. They yeah, didn't? that looks like they cut a hole in the ice, but that's not me. Whew. If you go to my Facebook, you can probably find it back there somewhere in God. the deep, dark, and distant past. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, well, people love that, that ice cold, ice cold, going back and forth between the two of them. It and is amazing. It gives you yeah. a high. It does. Well, yeah. it, it actually really does. Yeah. It actually produces certain chemicals in your brain. Epinephrine, is that what it is? Norepinephrine, norepinephrine. I'll believe you. Um, Dr. Rhonda Patrick was on. She was talking about um, cold shock therapy, cold shock proteins, mm -hmm. and uh, heat shock proteins, and that there's, uh, different, um, there's different proteins that we produce in the sauna, and the sauna is really beneficial for hormone production, for sleep, melatonin production, all sorts of different things. I think it's melatonin. Might not have been. But all sorts of uh, growth hormone, for sure. That was one of them. But uh, things that rejuvenate the body produced by these heat shock proteins. I mean, just look at the Nordic people and people in, like, northern Germany. They mm -hmm. all swear by saunas. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Swedes and the Norwegians and the Finns and the Danes. I mean, it's not like these are not people who you'd want to emulate. These are very attractive, healthy, long-living people. Yeah, they're robust. Yes. Yeah. They're yeah, hardy. I think I think there's definitely something to it, to, to both sauna and cold baths. Like, you know, Wim Hof, you know who Wim Hof mm -hmm, is? The mm -hmm. Wim Hof method of breathing. And he's got like something like 26 world records. He's been on the podcast before too. 26 world records about like dealing with climate and cold. He summited Everest in his shorts with <laughs> ice sandals on. I'm not even kidding. No, uh, no oxygen. Didn't bring any oxygen with him. Oh, God. Yeah, he's a maniac. Crazy. But he's developed this ability to tolerate extreme temperature distance or uh, temperature changes and uh, he swears by it he thinks it's the, the great teacher mm. about life and who you are and what you are and just invigorates you in some strange way that i mean when you meet the guy you believe it because he's like radiating energy yeah it's funny what people i mean it's like tim tim ferris as well right where he he'll go through periods where he's taking ice baths and doing all this crazy shit and measuring the impact that it has on his physiology and mm -hmm. i'm just too lazy man i don't i, I wow can't sorry. Talk. I can't talk to you anymore, dude. So, I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I understand, man. Did you see the um did you see the Philadelphia conference that I that I sent you which, which about uh about white people's guilt? I'm it's guilty. A, um, what did you I do? are guilty. What did I do? There was a I was white. There was a white privilege conference. 
It was oh, held that's in Philadelphia. Right. I love that article. I Explain tweeted, that. Because I tweeted this. Uh, this I retweeted it, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, you did. I was like, why is my Twitter blowing up? Oh, Joe retweeted me. Uh, <laughs> so there was this white privilege conference, uh, which was a kind of politically correct talk fest, right? And it basically ended up consuming itself entirely because the people who were attending it decided that the conference itself had become too white. So they were, they were all getting, they were all there. So they had this hashtag, um, white privilege conference, so white, WPC, so white. Uh, and it started after one of the speakers there who was a white historian uh, went over time and one, an Asian American attendee, a, a woman tweeted out, Great keynote, but going over time allotted is another example of white supremacy. <laughs> Hashtag white privilege conference so white. Oh. Uh, and he also made the mistake of using the N-word in his speech. I mean, he obviously was using it in a historical context because he was talking about race in America. But once that happened, uh, I mean, what could possibly go wrong using the N-word at a conference about white guilt, right? Then everyone starts tweeting... N-word never acceptable from hashtag white folks lips. Deeply offensive and traumatizing hashtag white privilege conference so white. And that was from a white tweeter. So then it's, it's just it's like a snake eating its fucking tail, right? All these white people just accusing one another of being too white. You're all white. We get it. We get it. It's what Michael Shermer calls virtue signaling. Right. Yeah. Right. It's they're they're letting oh, that's a good everyone term for it. It's perfect. It's a yeah. perfect term. They're they're trying to find someone who's made some sort of an error. Yeah. And they're attacking them with full force. Yep. And, and it's also like they're ignoring context on purpose. Mm -hmm. It's like by saying that the word is it's never acceptable to say the N word, by saying that and putting that in a tweet, that's not true. Mm -hmm. It's just not true. Mm. Like, if, if there's a reason to say it, if you're e explaining something that happened, what someone said, how they said it, you are allowed to repeat the word. The idea that you're not allowed to repeat the word around grown adults is to pretend that word is magic. Yeah. It's to pretend that word is going to conjure demons. Well, it also empowers the word. In yeah. fact, I feel stupid for even having used the phrase the N-word, because ordinarily I just say nigger if I'm talking about the <gasps> existence of that word. Shut the podcast but off, But hey, Jamie. I'm Australian, so I what don't understand context, right? Oh, you... uh, but, I mean, I was talking about this uh, on, on my podcast about I, I do think that we, we've gotten away from, like, where is the other person's heart and what is their intention? So, right. like, if you ever use that word in anger at another person... Think you're a total cunt and you should not do that or you're on a nigger <laughs> sorry <laughs> that's true i didn't mean that ladies you could and gentlemen be. i couldn't help it there's uh, a stand-up comedian in me but um but, but, but if you're really. just using it in conversation in order to talk about the existence of the word we know that though everyone knows that and i think it's a duh thing here's the problem with a, a lot of these these things where you attack someone's use of a word it's duh it becomes one of those things like if someone says sexism is bad, racism is bad, we need to be a more integrated and complete and whole culture and society. And we need to look at each other for, like Martin Luther King said, the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Isn't that duh at a certain point in time? Some I mean, people think that it's not duh enough in we, enough places educate, with enough people. But are we going to educate racists or are we just going to toot our own horn as to how non-racist we are? Right. The latter. Because another one of the tweets that happened at this conference read, a white woman telling a black woman to close the door at a workshop session. Another example of hashtag white privilege conference so white. You're not allowed to tell a person of color to do anything. No. Josh Zepps. That's right. Because Even, they're gentle little flowers. What if they who, just leave the water running? Just. What do you mean? You're allowed to say, hey, uh, can you shut that water off? No, that's racist. 
Oh, okay. Um, this what is what, if, what if they just throw lit cigarettes on the ground outside? Are you allowed to correct them or? No, that's racist. Racist? Yeah. Okay. What if... Um, <laughs> Let's just spend the whole rest of the podcast going through hypothetical <laughs> anecdotes about what would well, be racist and what would not. It is very strange that there is a word that certain people are allowed to use. Like the black people can use it and they can even use it as a form of empowerment. But I think that's okay, isn't it? Do you think that's hypocritical? I reckon if you if you're I reckon if your people and your ancestors have been fucked over completely for four hundred years, mm-hmm. then it's a little bit rich when the when the people who belong to the ethnicity that's been fucking you over don't let you reclaim the word that was previously oppressive. Oh, hundred percent. Not only that, it in practice it seems correct. When it's being done. Yeah. Like if a white person uses the word and they use it freely, like me, even me just using it in that joke, just joking around, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah. what have you done? Yeah. Well, it, you know it's a joke and it's still, it impacts in some sort of a w- very bizarre way. But if a rapper is using it, it seems like, like, like someone saying, you know, like, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying, yeah. man, you know, you know. You know, I mean, it's become that, but yes. it was subversive when black people started saying it, right? Right, but my, the point, same- right but my point being, a white person saying the exact same things is horrific and shocking. Yeah. Like that Stitches guy. Mm-hmm. That Stitches guy likes that word. He throws the word around all the time. I bet he does. Doesn't and, surprise and, me at all. Brr. Right, yeah. No, that's not him. That's not he's him? Not, oh, Stitches the one with the joker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to get your white people straight. That <laughs> other guy, the Burr's the black guy. That's Gucci Mane. He uses it too. But See, Gucci's I'm so allowed. not racist. I just mistook a white person for a black person. You're amazing. I don't even see color, Joe president too bad you were born in some other shithole i know if you were born here you could have a fucking real good run at it <sighs> i'm nowhere i'm just not good enough i can't do <laughs> i can't do what trump does i i look at that admiringly i'm like how does he have the balls the audacity but you wouldn't do it that way no one of the things that i think that is fascinating about trump and really problematic is that human beings love to be united in tribes and not necessarily always good tribes. We love to be united in tribes. And whether it's tribes of people who use Mac over Windows, or whether it's tribes of Android users, or whether it's tribes of people from Wisconsin versus tribes from people from Texas, we love to be in a fucking collective group of people. Yeah. Even if it's not a good group, even if it's not good ideas. And one of the things that I, I get disturbed about with this Trump thing is how many annoying goofy white dudes are really into him there's like there's an anti-intellectual aspect like a shut down debate aspect about this yeah i think there's a lot of that being sarcastic because of course there's an anti-intellectual strain to to trump's support not all of it this is not a there's intelligent people that support him too totally but they're not not supporting him because he his ideas are intelligent they're supporting him in spite of the fact that they're intelligent because there's something about his vibe that appeals i feel like there's a bunch of people supporting him because he's winning and they want to see him win and they want to get in on some of that winning Mm. And there's a bunch of dumb white dudes that are hopping aboard that, that are just letting you know, he's winning, he's winning, Trump's winning. I think it's partly that. I think it's partly exhaustion with the political correctness that we've just been talking about. And the fact that they feel like they can't say anything about the threat of Islamist terrorism or about the changing demographics of America or about illegal immigration without being branded as a bigot. And I think it's also just... What I was saying before about him seeming refreshing, like it's the same back in Australia. I was back in Australia uh, about six weeks ago and I was on a panel TV show there and they were asking me about Trump, like the audience asks questions and stuff. And I was trying to explain it by reference to the fact that even in Australia, people don't feel like politicians are speaking their language like actual human beings and are 
like take for example gay marriage in Australia. Australia still doesn't have gay marriage. You should be psyched about that. You don't have to give away half your money. <laughs> Sorry, honey. Can't do it. I'd love to marry you. Shit ain't happening. I'd be fucking pumped. Tax laws are different, though. It's Dude. actually better to be married in Australia than it is not to be married. It's not like here where they screw you. How's that? I don't understand But wait a minute. Someone's going to take half your shit. No, it's not. The oh, if you get divorced, they're going to take half your yeah. shit. Yeah. No, yeah. you don't. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Listen, right. I thought you meant off. taxes. Fuck taxes. <laughs> don't worry about that. So... Uh, the the Australia is one of the most pro gay marriage places in the world. When you actually poll people, seventy oh. or eighty percent of the population wants gay marriage. Uh, it's one of the least religious countries in the world. When you poll people, more than sixty percent of the population don't believe in God or go to church regularly. The last prime minister, well, the prime minister before last was an unmarried atheist woman. Uh, so it's not like this is a place where you would expect people to be opposed to gay marriage. I bet what's going on, I bet I get it. I bet gay dudes are secretly going and voting against gay marriage so they don't have to get married. That's it. I think that's what it is. You nailed it. I think it's like these pot dealers up in Northern California that secretly voted against marijuana legalization because they wanted to keep it illegal so they could make more money and they wouldn't have to turn in the, the taxes for oh, it. Oh, that's shrewd. It's d dirty. It's yeah, dirty, dirty and it's prevalent. I talked to some growers. They were telling me they were going to vote against it. They were going to vote against legalization because legalization would fuck them over economically. And well, sure. I, yeah, I know I'm being selfish, but hey, man, that's how we do it up here. Yeah. You know? I it, mean, do you think the Mexican drug cartels want an end to the war on drugs? Hell no. Of course mm, not. It's a good Why point. would you? Yeah. Why would you? But, the, I mean, the, my, my point is simply that the Prime Minister of Australia currently favors gay marriage. The, the, the There's a majority in Parliament for it. And instead, because he had to do some shady backroom deal to get into power... Uh, with his his fellow party hacks, uh, there's gonna they're not doing it now. There's gonna be like a plebiscite, which is like a non-binding referendum about it or something. Mm. And all my only point was, it's so obvious that politicians are so full of shit and that they're beholden to people other than the people who elected them. That whether people whether you're listening to Ted Cruz or Hillary Clinton, people just have a sense that they're being fed lines. Did you hear Hillary talking about after Trump accused her of playing the woman's card? She goes, uh, you know, if it's playing the woman's card to believe in equal pay, then deal me in. I'm like, nobody speaks like that. Why are you speaking Ooh. like that? Why are you sound <laughs> like, like that? So I can understand, I can imagine people going, That's so gross. <laughs> Hearing that is so gross. First of all, she was a person who said that marriage should be between a man and a woman mm -hmm. until 2013. Okay, 2013, she was still saying that. That is just retarded. Isn't it convenient how her views on everything just happened to evolve at exactly the same point so that when 51% when of the American population <laughs> comes around to them, she has an awakening? It's just so mysterious, that. I, had, I just don't understand. And this is, clue me in this. Who is trying to keep gay marriage illegal in Australia? Because if there's all those people, you would think that if the majority of the people wanted it, if uh, the prime minister wanted it, if all these people wanted it, why? Who's who's working, and what benefit is there of keeping it illegal? So think about. I think everyone knows it's going to happen. It's just a matter of trying to postpone it. But it's what's basically happened is that there is a rift between within the conservative party between conservative conservatives and progressive and like socially liberal conservatives. So think about the Republican Party here, where you've got like Christian evangelicals as a component of it, but you've also got the Rand Paul slash maybe Donald Trump kind of contingent people who aren't who don't want who don't really care what people do in the privacy of their own homes but they're fiscally conservative 
uh, those people, that faction had previously nominated uh, their leader to be the Prime Minister, and that was the Prime Minister. He got stabbed in the back by one of his colleagues who's socially liberal, and the only way that he could get the support of the faction that he needed to become Prime Minister was by guaranteeing them that he wouldn't move too fast on gay marriage. <laughs> so it's a minority of a minority of, conser- of like culturally conservative conservatives who represent rural districts with a bunch of farmers in them. Ah, the farmers. You know. It's always the goddamn farmers. I had a joke in one of my old specials. There's only two types of people that care about gay marriage. People who are really dumb or people that are secretly worried that dicks are delicious. <laughs> 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 I think that's the only thing that makes sense. That's it's right. Fucking farmers. Someone's got to get them to suck a dick. And exactly. They can realize what's the, all the hoopla all about. What about? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just go ahead and suck it. You probably won't even like it. Uh, and then you'd be like, "Ah, yeah, okay, marry a guy. I don't give a fuck." What about the guy who was sucking all those horse dicks and oh, um, and uh, Enum Claw? Is that is yeah, that who he was? Of Seattle was he? He was dressed up in like leather, and he'd go out in the farm in the middle of the night, and he'd like give horses oh, blowjobs. Oh, you're talking about the guy who um, got arrested several yeah. times. Yeah, I'm talking about the right. guy who died. He died from getting fucked guy by got, a yeah. horse. His, his name was. They used to call him Mr. Hands. I love that you know his name. Yeah, there was a um, documentary called Zoo, and uh, it was all about zoophilia, which uh-huh. is a real sexual attraction that people have to farm animals. Always white people, by the way. Mm-hmm. Hollow white people. Yep. Actually, I think the guy who got arrested was black. I really? Think. Yep. I he think. wasn't just covered in leather? No. <laughs> he was uh, black leather, bro. <laughs> He's from Australia. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, also kind of adding insult to injury for the animal that you're actually wearing leather. You, I'm wearing, your, I'm wearing exactly. your skin at the same time as I fuck you. He's not wearing horse hair, no, though. No, maybe not. Yeah, it's different. It's different species. <laughs> but um, this guy who lived in uh, Enumclaw, they had found each other online on a so forum. Him and the horse? Him and all these people. Oh. They developed this relationship online with these people that were really into horses and getting uh, fucked by farm animals. And so they invested in this property, and they got this farm, and they had these horses. There was over 100 hours of footage of these people getting fucked by animals. And one guy... They, they tape it? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a video of it. You can watch it. You want to see? Absolutely. <laughs> What else am I doing this afternoon, Joe? The way, folks who are listening only, I urge you to go to YouTube just to watch the subtle twist of his head. Absolutely. Mate, I've got a week in Los Angeles. I've got a lot of time on my hands between meetings. I'll be. uh, Do you want to win the lottery? Absolutely. (laughs) Man in famous Enum Claw horse sex faces new charges in Tennessee. Um, oh, it's a different guy. What year is this? 2009. It's after um, that guy was dead. It says, okay, here it is. A former Washington state man who was convicted of trespassing at an Enumclaw farm where a man was fatally injured while having sex with a horse in 2005, right, is accused of having sex with animals on a Tennessee farm. So one of the same people that was in that group. The well, guy yeah, what did they think he was going to do? Grow out of it? Of course. I mean, the way you're hardwired is the way you're hardwired. It's like. I don't know about all that. I would think that once my friend got fucked to death i might want to reconsider it. well it's like yeah, if- yeah you would think that's sensible but it's like i mean i think it's like being gay or something i always get in trouble because when we talk about pedophilia and stuff like that i sort of make the same analogy which is i have i mean whilst it's the worst conceivable thing that i can imagine anyone doing morally i have some sympathy for people who are hardwired in such a way that they get a hard on from infants or animals or something right i mean right. the reason i'm not a pedophile is not because i'm morally superior it's because i've never been attracted to a to anyone who's not post-pubescent 
Most likely you're right. Most likely you're right. Um, the real problem becomes in trying to decipher what is causing some person to have these feelings. Like, is it an instance of them being molested themselves when they were younger, which is Maybe. very, it's very, very common? Yeah. Is it just uh, an error in the way the brain works? But we like used to think gayness was that. But some people have epilepsy. Yeah, but this is very different. This is like clear victimization. Gayness is two people choosing to be attracted to the same sex or being attracted to the same sex and choosing to be with each other, rather. Yeah. This is different. No, this but is a victim. I'm just talking about what, what, uh, what you're attracted to, right? If you right. separate the actual act, mm -hmm. obviously, obviously it's very, very different because you're abusing someone who, ha who, doesn't ha who isn't old enough to be able to consent. Uh, but the act of feeling like you're attracted erotically mm -hmm. to a baby... Right, regardless of whether you ever act on it, that is something that subjectively must just be a horrible prison. I mean, imagine if you could never get your rocks off yeah. without torturing another person. Yeah. Wouldn't be a pretty place to be. It would be horrific. I just wonder. You know, I, I would like to agree with you, but when I think about it, I wonder what is the actual process that leads someone? Is it, I mean, what is going on in their mind? I can't grasp it. I can't no. understand it. So no, would, me neither. It's got to be multifactorial, yes, right? It's got to be sure. a bunch of shit. It's probably well, a ch childhood abuse. It's probably a combination of... Who knows? But that doesn't change the fact that they're presumably not capable of, con of, of changing it. I don't know if that's the case, but it seems to be true. The recidivism rate amongst people who molest children is yep. insanely high. Absolutely. And we should give them the option of chemical castration as an oh, alternative yeah. to jail and then just have, have them with no libidos. The problem becomes whether or not it's actually sexual or whether it's psychological. And hmm. if, if it's uniform, like some people might be sexually attracted to children in some way that you could cure with chemical castration, whereas some of them might be psychologically attracted to the dominance and to like, it's what they say about rape, right? That rape isn't really about sex in a lot of the cases. Obviously, in some cases, it's about sex. But in some cases, it's not. It's about power and dominance. Yeah. And how many people, it's not a sexual thing. What if they wound up, because they couldn't get it up, they wound up just doing things to kids in a fucked up way because they wanted to control them and dominate them. Well, then they're just being dicks. But I mean, it might be the the origin of it all. I mean, there there might be a bunch of different versions of this. And that's, yes, for absolutely. them, that might be the origin of it all. They might be just, they want to torture people. Yep. I mean, there's sociopaths out there. There's yep. psychopaths. There's, there's people that are just fucked. Their brain is fucked. When you hear about a serial killer, I mean, is there a chemical castration for a serial killer to no. stop them from enjoying killing people? No, no there's but there's also, but I've spoken to experts about pedophilia who say, like, what you want to do, we're making a mistake at the moment by demonizing the condition rather than demonizing the act, right? Mm -hmm. So what you want to do is set up a scenario in which it's possible for a 15-year-old kid who realizes that he's attracted to infants to go to a psychiatrist and get help and talk about his options without feeling like he is a total monster just because he's having those feelings. It's hard for us to think that way because if he acted on those feelings, he would be a monster. But you want to find, you want him to be able to avail himself of whatever kind of medical treatment is available rather than just going out and hiding in the shadows and doing, yeah, and committing monstrous. Acts. I don't know how to get around that. I don't. Need, I, mean, I don't think anybody does. I mean, think, think, think. It's one of the reasons why this is such a compelling subject, is because it's one of the most horrific things. Like, there's, there's some horrific 
like undeniably horrific things that people are capable of doing. Murder yeah. is one of them. Rape yeah. is one of them. Torture. torture. This is uh, this is right Tor up there. Right I think up there. it's right up there with torture and ISIS and beheadings and shit. There was a guy on a talk show once that was talking about his. He's compelled to uh, have sex with children. He's been sexually attracted to children all of his life, but he fights it off and he doesn't do anything about it. He wanted people to understand it, and he was talking about it openly. And I was like, first of all. How brave is this guy mm. that he's willing to go on television and do these interviews and talk about his compulsion, even though he said he's innocent of, of the actual act itself. He has this compulsion. And I think the spectrum of uh, different ways that the mind functions is so complex and so confusing as to what's the origin of these behavior patterns. Is it because of abuse is it because of a malfunction is it is is there a tumor like what the fuck is going on in someone's mm. brain that leads them down these paths and i don't think that's been answered i, I don't know i mean what look at the take it back to bestiality and like having a giving a horse a blowjob right like is there anything necessarily unethical about giving a horse a blowjob if the horse is pushing back i say no what if yeah exactly so right? if, yeah if you offer up your butt to a horse and he's, and he's just digging in there. Look, <laughs> Jamie, just, Jamie just shook his head. I'm telling Ooh. you, though, like, what is morally, what is actually morally wrong with fucking a horse if the horse is into it? Well, the horse fucks you, first of all. Yeah, okay. The horse is a top. <laughs> um, the, the video of the guy getting fucked to death by the horse, though, is horrific. Of course. But how could he not? It's available. How was he not able to get out of the situation? But the, the horse had him pinned. This is, the video starts up. A buddy of mine sent this to me. This I can't is how I you found out it, about Joe. it. I watched it a hundred times, bro. It's on my, <laughs> it's on my computer right now. <laughs> it's the screensaver. It's in there. I, I just copy it. I put it on little flash drives, leave it around my house just in case somebody <laughs> decides to delete it off the internet. Um, the guy, it's the video starts out, and the guy is naked and he's bent over a bale of hay, and then his friend. I use the word oh, right. air quotes, yeah. grabs the horse's penis and leads it up to his butt. And you're like, there is no fucking way. How? And then what? How more? does that even happen? How, like, what kind uh, of. What? No, I don't want to see it. He's, open his, he's opening his laptop, ladies and gentlemen. Force my hand. Here we go. Don't be scared, homie.com. <sighs> what do you mean, how? I mean, the guy's just got a giant butt. It's really that simple. Yeah, well, no, I mean, I know that, like, you gotta, like, you got to lube up a little bit beforehand. You've got to make sure that you're if available. You're a pussy. But. <laughs> But I can't. That's a lot of that's a lot of fingers you got to put in before the horse can go. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. It's not that simple. Um, it's just it's again, it's one of those things. Like, what the fuck is it about a person's mind that allows that in there? Yeah. Like, what? And what? And how do you get from? Uh, I think this would be an amazing thing to try to actually being there in the barn, like straddled over the bale of hay. I don't know how you. I'd be too. I'd be too bashful. Even if I wanted to do it, Aww, I'd be too... that's adorable. I wouldn't have the guts. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Uh, I, mean, I mean, obviously, I'm just thinking. Uh, what the fuck do I know? But... Don't pretend you're not a horse fucker. I think there's, there's just... Look, there's a reason why some people love jazz music. Mm. Uh, and there's some people that love basketball. And some people like sailing. Some people hate the water. And some people want to sunbathe all day, and some people want to only go out at night. And fucking people vary a lot. And in this gigantic, broad variance of human beings, every now and then, put mm. one pressure cooker spits out a dude who likes to get fucked by horses. But what I mean, yeah, I totally take that. But what I mean is, I'm amazed at the at the people who can in, who can translate their 
latent mental desires into actual real-world experiences, whether that's climbing Mount Everest. I mean, there are all kinds of things I'd like to do. (laughs) (laughs) Joe's eyes are just getting real wide as he looks at something on his laptop. I'm trying to find Mr. Hand. I found it, Mr. Hands. Like, whether it's, uh, I'd like to go scuba diving with sharks. I'd like to go, uh, you know, I'd like to go scuba diving under Antarctic ice. But I haven't done it because I'm uh, too much of a pussy, and I'm too much of a pussy to get raped by a horse. That's what I'm saying, dude. It's not my thing. I don't get it. In the meantime, I'm going to plug my podcast, which is uh, which people should go and check out. We the People Live. We the People is all one word, uh, and you can find it on the. We basically get three interesting people in a in a bar, and we all talk about uh, about what's going on in the world. Jim Norton, Artie Lang, beautiful folks like that. Great. Well, New York's a good spot to do that. A lot of opinionated people. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, we did one here as well with Greg Fitzsimmons and uh, Fred Stoller and Zach Kreger. Funny people. And well, the- uh, Joe was on it as well. If you want to check out. Uh, uh, episode 30, Where? episode 30, Joe Rogan. And, what bar and is that? Uh, that particular one is Pine Box Rock Shop, which is where we used to do it. That what was a in cool um, fucking place. That yeah, is. it was great. That place looks awesome. And now we do it in Williamsburg. Oh, of course you do. How dare you? <laughs> do you have we to used wear to be a in tie? Bushwick. Do you have to roll up the, bu- the cuffs of your pants? No, it wouldn't be a tie. It'd be like a bow tie, but uh, yes. like done Sinatra style, un- untucked. Exactly around my How neck. Have you found you. the video? I want to see some yeah. horse fucking. Here it is. I don't. Do I want to see this? Am I going to be able to undo this? Am I going to be able to unsee this? Well, make sure that he doesn't. That it doesn't get shown on screen, Jamie. Starring Mr. Hands. So here's the gentleman. Okay, oh, there's God, the horse. It's all dark. Like there's it's the guy. A, it looks like a night vision type thing. So the guy's lifting the horse's legs up. Oh my up God! On the horse's front legs are on his shoulders. No, no, no. The horse's front legs are on the hay. And oh, I see. The the horse's dick, and it's in the dude's butt. Unbelievable! Hey, holla! Look at this. No, how, I don't want to be seeing this. How dare he? It's How's so it? huge. Yep. And the guy's having a hard time getting it in at how first. Right? He, and then, what whoa! did he think? Oh, how about that? And it goes all the way in. Is oh, that when it just split his intestine apart? Come on, son. Yeah, he died. Listen what to the sounds. Do you hear the sound? Yes. And now the dick comes out, and it's got liquid all over it, he which came. is probably like the horse came. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Can't look anymore. I wonder if I can go to jail for having that. <laughs> Mate. <laughs> like, it's totally illegal, I'm that like, video. I'm feeling, I'm feeling a little violated right we now. We should. A guy died that way. I just saw a man die. Yeah, from a dick. 80 minutes ago, I pulled into the car park here on a beautiful Californian day. Mm. And if you'd told me then that in 80 minutes' time, mm. I would have just watched a man die from being anally raped by a horse... How about the sound he makes? I wouldn't have believed you. Want to hear the sound again? No, I don't want to hear the sound again, Joe. But this there's is supposed a sound. to be a pleasant conversation. It is pleasant. What about... Uh, Nothing happened to us. We should be happy. We should be hear- happy we figured out a way to not have this happen to us. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty easy to not have that happen to you. There are, there are so many things that have to happen in order for that to happen. Hold on a second. Okay. Hear that? That's the moment. Yeah, at that's... which his at which a, a horse's penis goes through his intestine and into his head. That's called that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> that's a wrap for this life, folks. Oh, Take care. We'll man. see you in the next dimension. What Whoa! a ridiculous fucking way to die. Speared. I mean, talk about the Darwin Awards. There's one who maybe no it was loss. awesome. Maybe uh, it's better than being in a nursing home and having some guy kick you. <laughs> Isn't there anything in between that? Oh, those are my only two options. I either get to be in a nursing home and have somebody kick me, or I get to get anally raped to death by a horse. That's yeah, it, Yeah, there's and other options, but yeah. I, mean, I mean, listen, my point of view is that this guy, in getting fucked to death by a horse, 
created this video, and this video has provided me with hundreds of hours of entertainment mm-hmm. that I would have never gotten without this guy dying. Hundreds of hours? The video is only one minute long. You've, you've watched, watched it several so many hundred times. times? I've watched it so many times. I'm exaggerating, have you, um, But it, think about all the people throughout the world who will now Google Mr. Hands, find that video. I'm mm. sure it's up there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Laugh their fucking ass off. Mm. Like, that guy probably gave all those people a burst of happiness. Like, through his death... Like, you think about, like, what you've done in life and what having those experiences and showing them to other people, what impact it has on them. How many people have watched people, like, do those those bird suits, the squirrel suits where they jump off buildings and shit and they and fly around? They, like, and you watch them, you get a thrill out of oh, it. Like, right. whoa, you watch those videos, you get a thrill out of that, right? Yeah. You watch a guy bungee jumping, you get a thrill. Yeah. You watch this, and millions of people, no. I'm sure, I think I, I think at Does last- that make you happy the same way that the Birdman videos make you happy? Yes. There's a difference. No. Here, a dude dies getting anally raped by a horse, Joe. Those bird guys die all the time. Yeah, I wouldn't want to those see one where they die, hit though. trees and shit. But I'm always, I'm How about different. these motherfuckers? Ugh. See, that's what I'm talking about. This is a hoverboard on the oh, edge, oh, right oh, on the edge oh, of its sky, oh, the top of a skyscraper. Oh. These guys are spinning around on one of these. First of all, you're, you're counting on it. these Chinese lithium-ion batteries that yeah. were put together by slaves. Who knows if they're going to burst into flames. This guy's going to handstands. Yeah. He's doing fucking handstands on top That's of a skyscraper. That's so fucking cool. What oh, is that, Dubai? Jesus, where is he? It I looks like Dubai. This. Can't watch this. No, here, he's a perfect example. If you saw that, like that gives you a thrill. But if one of those guys did that and then went flying off the building, like yeah, what then if, I wouldn't like that. What if Mr. Hands? That was a video where he lived because he got fucked to death a gang. Of, I mean, he got fucked a gang of times before mm. he got fucked to death. I'd be, uh, I'd be happier. I'd be happier mm. if he lived. But then I wouldn't. Also, I also wouldn't be happy about that. I just, I'm just, I'm just I'm not, I'm not enjoying the entire Mr. Hands experience, Joe Rogan. But what if you met him and then he was annoying? You'd be like, I wish that guy got fucked to death. He probably would be annoying. <laughs> Did you hear? Did you hear that Oklahoma has had to change their? I was just looking this up when we were talking about pedophilia. That uh, there was a rape case in. This is not something to laugh about, but it is interesting about how we define rape. Where a seventeen-year-old kid. This was last month, uh, and a sixteen-year-old. He made her. Well, here's what happened. She was really drunk. They'd been drinking in a park with some friends. He gave her a ride home. She woke up. I think in the middle of the night, completely deliriously drunk, and her mother or grandmother took her to the hospital because she was so drunk. She woke up in hospital. First thing she kind of really remembered was the doctors asking her what kind of sexual activity had happened because they'd found uh, some of the the 17-year-old's DNA around her mouth and on her legs. She said, I have got no recollection. They went to the guy and he said, yeah, she wanted to give me a blowjob. And she gave me a blowjob when she was, like, blackout drunk. So she charges him for rape, and the Oklahoma court found that it wasn't forcible rape. So now they're having to change Oklahoma's laws, because the only thing that it would have been, that would have, like, it basically has to be forcible. It's called forcible sodomy, right? Mm. And And the judge was saying if a victim is so intoxicated that they're completely unconscious then it's not actually forcible because there's nothing for you. Like, they weren't forced to do it. They didn't even know that they were or weren't doing Whoa. it. Jesus. Well, how do you define that then? Well, exactly. I don't know. But, I mean, clearly, you should not be going around putting your dick in unconscious 16-year-olds' mouths. Clearly. But at the same time, I can sort of understand that maybe it's not the same level of horribleness as, like, just 
right. flat out just raping somebody. <clears throat> There's also the problem with the girl possibly consenting at the time, just being so fucked up she doesn't remember consenting. Well, that's right. Especially How do you since know? she's 16. It's one of her first ever sexual experiences, her first ever drunk sexual experiences, we should assume. Yes. So it is entirely possible that this boy, who was only a few months older than her, didn't have the wherewithal to understand that she was compromised to the point where she couldn't consent. So who who I mean they're both drunk, yeah. you know it's that gets real weird. It gets real weird, and we don't know exactly what words were exchanged, what actually did happen, what the history of these two together was like. We don't know. I mean, if I had to, if I had a son, I would have to say now, just never ever have any sexual relations with anybody who's drunk. That's that's a frankly, problem. Though, it's a problem. Some girls yeah. like getting fucked when they're drunk. Well, and some guys right. like fucking their girlfriends when they're drunk. You, what, what do you mean some? Ever... Everybody who right. like who didn't whose early sexual experiences were were done sober. Well, what if you you're both drunk? Like that's there was a, a big thing that feminists were trying to push for a while, and they kind of abandoned it because they realized that it literally makes ninety percent of the population a rapist. And they were saying you shouldn't have sex even with your husband if your husband is drunk and you're sober. Don't have sex with them. Yep. Which and basically saying that all drunk sex is, is non-consensual is sex, yeah. which because therefore makes it rape. You can't consent. But then the argument becomes, well, how come you, you're responsible for driving your car when you're drunk? You're responsible for that. If you get caught, you know you're not supposed to drive your car when you're drunk. It's not like, oh, I was too drunk. I couldn't consent to drive my car. Yeah. No, you're responsible. You're a fucking adult. Yeah. You're responsible for violence. You can't beat somebody up and say, well, I didn't know. I was drunk. But when it comes to sexuality, for whatever reason, you're not responsible for your actions if you're intoxicated. Well, you are if, you, if you're the rapist, not just not the rapee. No, that women were saying, this is part of the argument, that if a man fucks you and he's drunk and you're sober, even though he's the, he's the proactive one, right? That he's, that he's being raped? He's being raped. Yes. That sex with a drunk person is rape because they cannot consent. Well, then you might as well just, as you say, make every single activity that you do while drunk. But the real problem becomes it becomes an attack on men because it's very, very rare that any woman ever gets in trouble for having sex with a man that's drunk. But women and men have both been drunk and the men have been accused of being rapist, whereas the woman wasn't. That was the Occidental University thing. Yeah, that's right. College or university? What is it? College. College. I think. Yeah. I think so, too. Uh, I mean, but that was the guy's suing. It and, frustrates but, me it, so much because this is one of those areas where, like Islam or like political correctness or like Black Lives Matter, I feel like the moment you try to introduce nuance, you can be very quickly taken out of context and accused of being pro that thing. Like, 100%. You know, because I'll say something like this and then people, supporters of mine on Twitter will be like, yeah, like, fuck her or like, you know, let's rape. Or something. And I'll yeah. be like, no, that's, that is not what I'm saying that's, whatsoever. That's why it's horrific that they could take what you're doing right now and take it and make a little YouTube clip out of it. Take mm -hmm. that clip and put a title on it. Yep. Josh Zepp thinks rape's okay. Exactly. That's I mean, right. it's really not outside the realm of possibility. For the record, I do think it's okay. In fact, I, I encourage everybody to go out and rape as many people as possible. Uh, that I was can't a joke. believe what I'm hearing. That there's was no a, place, that was a no funny place, funny. No place for jokes. No. No. No more. No more jokes. But, Even uh, duh jokes. Yeah. If like if, if I were to say, for example, that uh, preying upon somebody, preying upon a woman with like a knife and forcing her against her will to have sex with you is a worse class of behavior than coming in an unconscious in your unconscious girlfriend's mouth right would that like is that is it have we gotten to a stage where it's just not possible to even talk about that because we just have to keep mouthing the slogan of sexual violence is unacceptable all the mm -hmm. time therefore there's no way of, of even distinguishing in the law between different levels you know someone who a, 
a boy, a seventeen-year-old boyfriend who makes a mistake should go to jail for just the same length of time as a repeat serial predator who preys upon women. Well, we don't want to admit that there is any difference and that all these things are exactly the same. <clears throat> and one of the reasons why is because what you just said, just even in, in introducing it as a possibility, like there might be a variation, there might be uh, there there might be a grade of like this is a level ten rape, but this is a level nine rape, this is a level eight. Like whoa, 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 whoa! As soon as you start getting into that, it's almost like you're a rape apologist or you're a rape supporter or. We want to be able to boil things into a fucking headline, mm. a clickbait headline, and spit it out there. Here's my thoughts on rape. You know, and yeah. that's why the idea of everyone who's drunk is getting raped is so ridiculous. Yeah. Because it's like we've all been with someone that we love and we got drunk and we wanted to have sex with them. When we did, no one got raped. Well, and it's not only ridiculous, it's also demeaning to the victims of really terrible rape. Yes. Right? I mean, it's, it's also it, it diminishes their, their legitimate. Um, concern. It's also insanely sexist because right. it shows women as being these people that can't make good decisions while they're intoxicated, whereas the men know exactly what they're doing, so they rape the woman. Mm -hmm. So the men and the women, even though they're both engaging in the exact same, the exact same act, they're both saying they want to do it. The man is the, he's the attacker, mm. whereas the woman is an innocent person who doesn't know any better because she's drunk. There was a piece on the, uh, that I was reading on the plane in the Sunday Times uh, yesterday about the word survivor, how the word survivor <sighs> has been, has, is getting used now. It was a really interesting piece. It's in the New York Times magazine this, <clears throat> I'm this weekend. I'm a flu survivor. <laughs> I am. I had the flu. And uh, they were making the point that, like, when everything, when every act of sexual violence gets, uh, gets labeled with, I am a survivor of sexual violence, even mm -hmm. if that was just unwanted touching on the subway. Yeah. Then, like, what does it mean to be? What do you mean you survived it? Were you ever Were you ever going to die because someone like slapped you on the ass in the workplace? Not to not to say that it's okay to do that, but again, you're just compressing all of the actual, real, horrifying survival stories down to the level of oh, someone looked at me funny and called me toots. Yeah, you can't call it survival, <clears throat> but you're a victim. Yeah, yeah, but mm -hmm. survivor sounds better. It sounds more Much juicy. Better. You yeah. barely made it. Yeah. <laughs> A survivor of bullying. I saw that. Someone someone wrote they're a survivor of high school bullying. Yeah. What the fuck happened to you? What yeah. what was so bad? What, yeah. Did someone try to stab you? Did somebody beat you up to the point of you almost dying? Or did someone just annoy you all the time and make you feel bad? Mm -hmm. Is that what happened? There are a few there are only a few scenarios in which I think you can legitimately be called a survivor. A yeah. bear attack? Would mm. be one of them. Shark attack. Shark attack. Another one. Basically, any kind of large Wolves. carnivorous animal mm. attacking you. Mountain lion. You, yeah, mm. mountain lion. We don't need to go through, through them all. Coyote. <laughs> <laughs> Tiger. <laughs> leopard. Monkey. <laughs> monkey Guy attack. In India. A mayor got killed by monkeys. Really? Yeah. Did you hear that uh, maybe all the, elef all the Afri African elephants are going to be dead in 20 years? What? That's what I was just reading an article. This, they were saying there's places in Africa that have so many elephants they have to kill them. Yeah, I know. But Africa the, is enormous. This is one of the things that people Google it, Jamie. don't understand. It might there's be a, in an area of Africa, no. but Africa itself is fucking huge. Yes, and there's a conference with all of the people who are. There we go. Time yeah, magazine. African elephants could these, be extinct within twenty okay, years if poaching. Maybe. Because all of the, uh, the there's a conference of African leaders at the moment going on to figure out how they can uh, they can tackle poaching. Wow! But Africa's a continent. It's a fucking I know, it's enormous. Massive. It's bigger than almost all the continents combined. I know, but if you keep killing them at a much larger rate than they procreate, then over time you're going to wipe them all out. What's scary is people are still hunting them. Yeah. On top of the poaching, 
So there's there's these places that develop African hunting safaris for elephants. So they raise elephants in these high fence operations just so people can go over there and hunt them. And that's one of the ways that they ensure that their populations stay high. It's very fucking twisted. Like Trump's kids? You seen those photos of Trump's sons holding up, uh, shit. holding up jaguars and yeah, you know that whole African hunting thing. I I, I um, tell people if you if you think it's bizarre with from a cursory glance. You got to look at Louis Theroux's documentary about these African hunting. Camps. We mentioned this before because yeah. I've been a Theroux fan since day since day one. But that that episode is just killer. That that one's nuts. I love the end of it when the guy's going crazy and he's asking him all the questions. He's like, Africa is fucked. Fucked. He's fucked. Yeah. You don't understand. Yeah. This and, continent is fucked. And when he was saying that, you really you kind of get it. Yeah, I hate that term poacher too. Poacher is a dark term. Because a lot of those people that are poaching are just fucking starving. Yeah. They're poor yeah. as fuck. Mm. We have this idea that these are like these mercenaries that come over to steal ivory so they can make money off of it. There's a lot of people that are killing these animals that almost have no way out. There's nothing there for them. They don't know any better. They're not educated. They're just starving. And someone says, hey, you give me that rhino horn, I'll give you 500 bucks. And they're like, holy shit, 500 bucks. And th- th- and they'll kill as many rhinos as they can before they get killed. It's yeah. so dark. I have a friend who went I'm over so- there. <clears throat> he went over there to Africa. And he said um, he was uh, on this uh, hunting safari where um, they have these enormous places of uh, where they have uh, these hunting camps where they're, it's a 10-hour drive to the other side of the ranch. I mean, it's enormous, enormous territory. And... While they were there, they encountered these quote-unquote poachers. And he said <clears throat> the people from the hunting camp just shoot at the poachers. Mm. They just shoot at them mm. like they're coyotes. Yeah. They shoot at these people like, I mean, they don't even give them a chance. They yeah. just shoot at them. Yeah. And they're allowed to. It's legal. And when they shoot someone, he asked them, like, what do you do if you kill someone? And he's like, most of the time we let the hyenas sort it out. Most of the time, we let the hyenas short. I mean, just think about how fucking crazy mm. life is in that part of the world. That, yeah. That this guy's actually saying that. We're pretty fucking lucky. And I'm guessing that Trump's kids are probably not that poor that they need to be hunting that way. They're over there doing those um, big game safaris. Yeah, there's, one, there's a photo of one of them holding up an elephant's tr- trunk. Just the, just the dismembered trunk. Just the big old nose just hanging there because little <sighs> shitward Trump couldn't. Uh, I don't, don't know. even not, pull that up. I don't even want to see it. Yeah, I do. N- I do know that they've had to kill elephants in certain areas that have infiltrated these villages and start killing people. <clears throat> but you know, the, the the question is like, what? How how f- fucked with did they get before they started killing people? Yeah. Like, what's the actual reality? Well, of also, these I mean, lives? as you, as you say, like, what's the reality of the human beings' lives yeah. who are doing this as well? Yeah. I was just in. I was, when I was coming back from Australia, I spent a week in India. And uh, in Mumbai, did there's this company that does uh, tours of the biggest slum in Asia, like the kind of slumdog millionaire mm-hmm. slum, and they and they work in development there with some of the poorest people in the world. There's an area, it's an area of the size, it's called Dharavi, and it's in Mumbai. It's the it's one of the biggest slums in the world, and it's an area the size of half the size of Central Park, and it's got like two million people living in it. Jesus Christ. And, they do development stuff there, and you can walk through. And these, I mean, you feel a little bit weird, like, like going 
through this place like it's almost like disaster porn or something. There are like huge canals which just smell just just shit and like dead dogs and oh, and pieces and just just I mean, but you know what? People are getting on with life. They're laughing. There are there are soccer balls they're playing with. Like you know, kids are scrounging around in the dust and the and the dirt and the grime. People. People are fucking resilient in amazing ways. Well, if they weren't, we wouldn't be here. Because yeah. this 2016 shit where you go to the supermarket and you buy a chicken breast. Oh, we're so out of touch. <clears throat> yeah, I we're mean, so out of touch. The most recent of, of recent. I mean, it's one of the more amazing things about how upset people are about how life is today. Like, God damn it. It's the easiest it's ever been ever. Yeah, I know. This is the greatest time in the history of the world. Yeah. And everyone's, the sky's falling. When we don't, and as our lives get better and better, we don't, we fail to accurately calibrate like any any benchmark like you always it's like there was a study that came out that 47 percent of americans could not come up with 400 dollars if they needed to if they suddenly got an unexpected bill right almost half of americans in other words are right on the brink of the poverty line but in terms of just being able to come up with cash but how do we get into get ourselves into that scenario we Mm. we fail to recognize how prosperous we are. I mean, if most of the people who are listening to this podcast are in the top 5% of income earners globally. More right? than that. And a lot of them will be in the top 1%. And you know, the top 1% is only 34 grand a year. Of global global incomes, is it? Yeah. Okay, so there you go. Uh, and even even within the United States, I mean, the top 5% is is... is surprisingly low. It's like 50 grand or something, it's, right? I think it's more than that, but I think it's 60. like... 60? Mm, I thought it was over 70? Either way. 100? <laughs> Either way, we are incredibly blessed and amazingly fortunate, and it's so hard to snap ourselves out of our complacency and realize, fuck, things actually are surprisingly convenient and easy for us. Yeah, I we mean... We should stop whining Overall, bit. but if you're one of those people that can't come up with that 400 bucks, yeah. and the $400 bill comes, it seems daunting. It seems... Yes. And I'm not blaming pe- yeah. blaming people for it. I've been in, I've had times in my life where I've been below, you know, well, well underwater. Sure, we all have. But I think that's also probably one of the reasons why you became ambitious and why you worked hard and why you're in a position right now where you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Because you worked your way through it. And you figured your way through adversity. You know, I'm, I, I, this is an interesting subject because um, I had uh, Eddie Wong in really recently and he brought up something that I thought was preposterous. He brought up the idea of, um, what are they calling it, basic income, yeah. where you give people $35,000 a year to live. And I was yep. like, get the fuck out of here. But then I started looking into it. And when I started looking into it, one of the things that I was intrigued by was like, okay, how much of crime and how much of people's aberrant behavior could be, you, you could write it off to them being desperate and needy and poor and feeling hopeless. And how much of that crime would not take place if they got $35,000 a year? And if these are people that are just going to fuck off anyway, but this way they're going to fuck off, but they won't be committing crime because they're going to have a steady income for the rest of their life. Is that feasible? Like, how much money is there out there? Could you give everybody in America $35,000 a year up to a certain number, right? Well, you, you, I think once you hit a cutoff, like you hit like, I would say like, quarter million dollars a year you don't get the 35 grand anymore like, but you got that's, plenty of money dude. but here's the, the here's the thing the 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 great utility of a basic income is that you don't have to fill out forms and prove that you deserve it that everybody right. gets it because so it's super super simple but where's right? it coming from well yes you can't start with thirty five thousand dollars a year but How you much? can 
Um, I've heard proposals. Look, Alaska has this already. They, they just call it an oil uh, revenue thing, right. right? Everyone in Alaska gets a check from the government, uh, which is a cut of Alaska's oil revenue. They basically get a universal basic income. It's not nearly enough to live on. It might be $1,000 a year or something. I'll be corrected on, on this. But there are all kinds of experiments. I had um, Felix Salmon on my podcast, who's, at, who's over at Slate. I don't know if you know him. He's a, he's a money, a big, a very interesting money guy. He has a podcast called the, money Pod, the Slate Money Podcast. And he's a big advocate of this idea. And there's a Ooh, place... I want to talk to him then. Yeah, you should. You should get him on. He's great. He's based out of New York, but he's What's good. His name again? Felix, Felix Salmon, like the fish. Um, I'll, I'll send you his. his I'll text you his, uh, his details after okay. after the show. Um, I'm making a note to myself right now. Uh, and uh, he, he was basically saying there's a place in like there's a, a jurisdiction in I think Finland or Sweden which is actually trying this out just to test the proposition of like how much less will people actually work if everyone gets a basic income? How much of a deterrent? Will it be from how, bothering to get a job? How much will it cost? Well, thirty-five thousand dollars a year would be a bit. Would be a lot of money. Well, thirty-five thousand times three hundred million. Burf. <laughs> <laughs> Burr. Uh, um, the here, here's the thing. You would start. You'd, there, there are a lot of savings, right? So here, the weird thing about this idea is that libertarians like it as well as progressives, because for libertarians, this is a way of getting rid of social security, getting rid of Medicare, getting rid of food stamps, getting rid of all of these different programs. And streamlining everything. I mean, think of how hard it is to do your taxes and to like to fill in the forms and to figure out what you're supposed to get. This would just be a check from the government. Everybody gets it. No questions asked. You go out and you buy what you need to buy. Now, with healthcare as expensive as it is in the United States, that's not going to work for old people. They're not going to be able to pay for healthcare and health insurance and also social security and also survive on thirty-five thousand dollars a year. Right. But if you, but just thinking in terms of the budget. If you got rid of those massive line items in the budget, Medicare and Social Security and so on, then you would be able to start to think about affording things like that. So you might start with just $10,000 a year for everybody and work your way up from there and just test it. I think, a sta- I think one of the states should start to do it on a, on a more aggressive level, just like Colorado is going to be playing around with universal uh, health care at the November election. Because of weed, baby. Yo. It's all that weed money. Come on, son. I love it. I think yeah, it's an wonder, interesting idea. Imagine if Colorado decided to do that, start, decided to give every state resident $35,000 a year. The problem would be everybody moved well, to Colorado. Everybody moved there, right? Yeah. yeah. But, but I think this is a possible solution to the rise of robots. In- <laughs> <laughs> that's not as crazy. That's not as crazy as it sounds. <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous, though, doesn't it? Sounds like I've just been smoking weed the entire, the entire Meanwhile, show. Meanwhile, you're, you're the sober in. one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think that there are going to be fewer and fewer like jobs for individual human beings as robots get better and better at making shit. Yeah, I think everybody believes that. And also that they're going to be cheaper and cheaper to get robots. Yeah. And so what happens when you've got uh, you know, Silicon Valley and Hollywood pumping out huge amounts of stuff, which which give us a massive GDP, a larger GDP, where growth is still happening, right. but it takes fewer and fewer people. I mean, Uber is a transportation company that doesn't employ anybody. Facebook doesn't employ very many people. But Uber's being challenged on that. That gets really problematic when you deal with the actual labor laws and mm-hmm. things like that. But that's one particular scenario. I think one thing that's happening that's interesting is that people are gravitating more towards craftsmanship and crafts, and people are gravitating towards handmade things, and they're gravitating towards things that actually have like if somebody like if i go to a store and i buy a knife 
okay? I buy a kitchen knife. Um, you know, it's nice. It cuts my vegetables. But if I know a guy who's a blacksmith mm. and he actually makes a knife and he, and he does all this craftsmanship and puts together the handle and that to me is like there's a feeling that you get from this object when you're using it. Like this is someone's craftsmanship. This is someone's creation. Someone learned a trade. They learned the art form of f- making a, a functional piece of kitchenware. And I'm using yeah, but, it here. But speaking of the 47% of people who can't come up with $400, I mean, you you can afford to care about such things, but the majority of people are just going to buy a pack of steak knives for fourteen ninety nine at Walmart, right? That's true, but that's also the case with everything, with clothes and with all sorts of different things. But for the person themselves, someone who learns a trade and someone who learns a craft, someone who learns how to make yeah. furniture. I hope so, we go more that way and I, become I, less I of a disposable, just China-fueled like commodity consuming country and become well, I think and care we are more about the quality ways. of stuff. In some ways I think we are for people who can afford it. Yeah. But I think it's becoming for the people that are looking for something to do like th- that has meaning in their life. There's like extreme meaning in hand produced things. Like when you buy something from someone like a, a, a piece of office furniture and you know this guy made it. Like mm. someone made my friend Eric made this. Really? This table. Yeah. Nice table. We, we hired him Good to work, do Eric. it. Yeah, he's Good on the, you, mate. Not only that, look at the fucking welding and all the different shit to it. I mean, hmm. this guy he did an awesome job in, in creating this. And there's, there's like something to someone making something where you're always going to remember where it came from. Yeah, that's Even right. Even if it's a cutting board. Somebody puts together a nice hardwood cutting board. You know, like, you're like, oh, this is a, a guy made this. Well, maybe, and then in terms of the question of whether or not people can afford to buy such things, maybe the universal basic income means that we don't necessarily have to all be <laughs> buying those things because the people who make them are going to be getting the universal income. This is the theory, which is that th- the, if the overall pie is bigger every year, then you just have to figure out how to allocate the, how to tax that pie. Maybe that means that you have to have super huge taxes on Silicon Valley in some way in order to fund the universal basic income. But if there aren't enough people being employed to to fund what the government needs to do on the basis of an, a conventional income tax, but there's more stuff being produced going around, there's more wealth, you should still be able to extract that wealth somehow. And maybe people can... More people can, if, if everyone got a universal basic income, people can become a poet or an artisanal knife maker or a table maker, and they don't need to necessarily be able to sustain their living doing that. There are more opportunities for creative output. Who what knows? Is, what's interesting to me is that it might relax people. I think well, one of the, certainly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, imagine I mean, not having to worry about where the next meal comes from. Well, that's where it started re- ringing true to me. Like, I was making fun of Eddie talking about it, but then I thought about it for quite a while afterwards, and, I, and then I started reading some things on it that sort of reinforced these new ideas that I was starting to play around with. And one of the things that I was thinking is how much of what people do that's fucked up, they're doing out of desperation or out of frustration Mm. and how much could that be eliminated and how much would that change society and are ambitious people just i mean you're not talking about anything where you could fucking go balling on 35 grand a year or 12 Mm. grand a year whatever you whatever you give them 12 grand a year let's say that you're barely going to live off that but you have enough money for food Mm. you have enough money for food hopefully you got enough money for rent if you get some part-time jobs here or there hopefully you can survive but you're less desperate and more dependent upon society. You're more dependent upon the rules of society. Well, I mean, to see what countries look like when that sort of thing happens, even though it's not a perfect analogy, 
Just look at the countries of Northern Europe, or even you were talking about Melbourne, you know, a country like Australia, where it's by no means perfect. There are still poor people, but gee, the levels of poverty are a lot less than they are here, and the number of people in grinding abject, absolute poverty is almost non-existent in comparison again, to the way that you see it here in the states. Because we have social, we have social safety nets that are just much more robust. But you only have twenty million people. But yeah, you but know, so it's... what? I never buy that argument. It, the, everything is scalable, Joe. I mean, it, the you fact so? that we, yeah, because we only have twenty million people, but we also have a proportionately fewer number of taxpayers. You have you have tons more people and tons more taxpayers. Like, look at Germany. Germany's a, a you know a big country. That's, they've got eighty million people, and they managed to have very very few people, basically no people in abject poverty. That might be a bad example. Because they're a mess right now. Like, you know, Germany's a mess with the immigration issue they're well, having. Well, immigration the- is separate, but their economy's not a mess. Yeah, but they're socially a mess. It's a- yeah, well, I mean, that's because of Syria. Well, yeah. Well, this is, that whole thing is so bizarre where the mayor of Munich was telling girls to keep to themselves and uh, not look at anybody. And uh, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, Nick- I'm not advocating that America should invite, uh, you know, 10 million uh, un- un- screened, yeah. undocumented uh, Syrians. Fucking in. insane. But you could certainly you could certainly imagine a, a system in which it was a lot easier for people to where you did, just didn't have entrenched levels of of grinding poverty. I just wonder what the cost would be, and what is there a, a mathematical equation that could be worked out where that makes sense? I wonder. You know, I'm not smart Let's do enough. the math. Nah. Ask Felix. Felix will know. Who's Felix? Oh, Felix Salmon, the English oh. guy who does this. <laughs> I thought it was like Siri. I'm like, what are you, using a Windows phone? You ask Felix? <laughs> it sounds like that. It sounds like <laughs> it Ask does. Jeeves or something. Also, Felix has a really posh English accent, so he sounds like the kind of person who you, who you would expect to voice one of those things. Do you remember Ask Jeeves? Was, yeah. Everybody used to go to that before Google was around. I know. Go so, right to Ask Jeeves. I, know, I mean, I never really used it. Maybe I was, maybe I'm too young or something. Was it? What, what I never did you used do? It you typed in askjeeves.com. I don't remember. Did you have to phrase things as a question? Sounds stupid now, doesn't it? I don't remember. I don't. I'm, I'm sure I asked Jeeves a few things. I just don't remember what they were. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, Jeeves, show me boobs. I'll Jeeves, think it's that easy. Show me a guy getting it. raped by a horse. What's this? It's ask.com now. Oh, you just not you ask would Jeeves. Ask it a question and it would tell oh, you the answer. Where's basically. the tallest waterfall? In the- okay, ask this. How much would it cost to give all Americans <laughs> I love seeing the things that are suggested dollars a when you're year. typing that? Okay, bam. Ask.com is not going to help you with that. Cost, hey, you don't I know looked that, it up. Bitch. It would cost uh, $3 trillion to give everyone $10,000 ten a year. Jesus. So multiply that times the extra 2.5. Woo! Like, Jesus Christ. God yeah. damn, that's three, a lot. Yeah, that makes sense. Three more than three trillion to get to give them ten grand. Uh, okay, so it's it big, would big be ease. nine trillion plus to give everybody thirty. Yeah, but you wouldn't give everybody right. because everybody who makes over a certain amount should have to fucking work it out. But people are so gross; they would just stay under two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I'll make two hundred forty nine ninety nine. Give my fucking money, <laughs> you know, because. If you went, if you went over one dollar, you would you would have no, to. No, but if if you were going to start means testing it, then it'd have to be a sliding scale so that you didn't ha- encounter that problem, right? So if you hit at two fifty, then you only get thirty. If you hit two sixty, you only get twenty five. But then it becomes complicated, and that that negates a lot of the benefit. Mm. What you're talking about, what you really want, is just a way for desperately poor people to not be desperately poor. Yeah, and there are simpler ways than giving everybody a universal basic income. There are simpler ways, but I think. Um, the, the real look. The real important thing is figuring out a way to stop children from growing up in desperation. Yeah, to stop children from growing up in an environment like 
Uh, I had this guy on Michael Wood. I got to get back to him this week because we're working on a new date. But he was a, a Baltimore police officer. Mm-hmm. And he talked in great detail about real institutional racism in Baltimore where they, you know, they had literally areas where you couldn't sell black people homes. And this had been established like in the 1960s. And because of that, those areas are still fucked. Those areas, like they're, they're still to this day. He found something from the 1970s. The, uh, the police officers in his district did where it was like, um, a mandate like what they were supposed to do and where mm. the crime was and he's like it, it was exactly the same places exactly the same crimes as they were dealing with in the 2000s he's like how futile and fucking crazy is this yeah that you're dealing with this pattern that never gets fixed never gets corrected and just they just cops keep arresting the same people in the same areas for the same problems and it's like whoa you know they've done studies about what the most effective way to uh to help poor people is because uh, oftentimes people on the left will be will be in favor of food stamps or like uh, you know better public schools and so on all of those things are great but a lot of recent research suggests that just giving people money is more effective than trying to figure out all of these tweaks. Because we don't mm-hmm. like giving poor people money because we think, well, they're just going to spend it on drugs or they're going to spend it on booze or something like you that. You can't cigarettes. buy cigarettes or food stamps. Yeah. But it turns out, and this applies whether you're talking about desperately poor people in Africa or desperately poor people in downtown Baltimore, if you just give them money, most people use it f- to good ends. The, the, the thing they really want the most is to eat and be able to pay their bills and to get out of the situation they're in. A minority of people will spend, will blow it on booze and cigarettes, but they are a small minority. Yeah. People know what their needs are more better than we know what their needs are. There's this paternalistic idea that we always have, like, we have to figure out how to get people out of poverty. People know how to get themselves out of poverty if they just had the resources to do so. So just give them a bit of money. Yeah, and it's also th- this absolute realization that this is not a level playing field and that someone born in the slums of Inglewood is not the same as someone who's born in Beverly Hills. It's so fucking crazy about libertarians when when they go on about how how everyone should be free. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course everyone should be free. I am as libertarian as you can get, but within, within the understanding that it's crazy to say that people are equally fr- that the person in Beverly who's born in Beverly Hills to a white mi- middle class upper class family is only as free as the baby born in the slums of Baltimore. This is crazy. Of course, you should use the the I think the power of the state to be able to level the playing field a little bit, just to skim a little bit off the Beverly Hills family and give a little bit to the Baltimore family. I don't see what's so tyrannical about that. Well, yeah, because you're not coming from an even start point, right? So, and, and there's also this notion that as a country, we we're only as strong as the weakest link, right? So, if we created a system where we had less people in despair desperation less people in despair less less losers we would be more winners we yeah. would get our shit together we would we would produce more we would be more effective i wonder i mean I just wonder what the actual numbers are because like how much money is being spent every year on things that we don't need how much how much money from our taxes goes to bureaucracy and bullshit and this really distorted representative government that most people don't agree with how much of that how much of it is just fucking cronyism and handing money back and forth between each other i'll tell you what we don't spend a lot of money on we don't spend a lot of money on bureaucracy and waste in like 
people people who want to cut government spending will often say like you know first thing I'm going to do when I get into when I get to Congress is I'm going to not repaint you know my congressional office or something or I'm right. going to you know I'm going to I'm going to throw out the fancy stuff and I'm going to get an old couch like these this is not what we're spending our money on right what we're spending our money on is the military and Medicare and and Social Security basically so rein in healthcare costs and stop and cut the military, and you would, and that's where the big the yeah, big meat you say is. Cut the military, but then what happens, son? Let me tell you something. Freedom ain't free. <laughs> They're gonna come over here and take our jobs and kick our women into the curb or something. I've been uh, I've been having a Twitter argument with a person who's been saying that uh, that the reason why America's roads are so bad is because we spend too much on foreign aid. That's me, dude. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> trolling you. Fuck with you. I don't even believe it. I just say it because I know uh, you're excited. Britain get excited spends, and riled up. Britain spends three or four times more per capita on foreign aid. Sweden spends six times more per capita. Have you seen the roads in Sweden? They're really quite nice. Are they? Better than the fucking... Yeah. Well, I mean, we have more roads, don't we? It's yeah, bigger. of course. But again, you we also have more, more people. You have more right. taxpayers to right, pay but for you're them. Just looking at overall numbers, we spend more money because we have more roads. Yeah, and you spend more money on foreign aid as well, but I'm there are more of you, you to share it. I'm going to troll you on Twitter tonight. I'm going to get on. I'm going to be an egg with here's, an opinion. Here's, so, here's something. Here's a, here's a reform which you could support, which would really help you figure out where, you, where the money goes. Okay. When you get your tax bill at the end of the year, your tax statement from the IRS, they could, as they do in Australia and a bunch of other countries, have a little bar graph, a colourful little graph, with lines showing how much you've spent on everything. So mm. in Australia, if you if you paid eighteen thousand dollars in tax that year, then there's a little be a little purple line on the graph which says you know you spent four thousand seven hundred eighty two dollars and sixteen cents on Medicare, you spent this much on security, you spent this much on foreign aid, and then you can actually see it there. That's great. There's a proposal uh, in front of Congress which some Democrats are pushing to bring this in here. And also to streamline um, the way that you do your taxes. Because in a lot of other countries, apart from the states, you don't have to go through the rigmarole of filling out all of your taxes. The government... Because when, when you do a job and you get a you have to like supply the IRS with, with a 1099 or a W-2 at the end of the year, remember that the person who gave you the 1099 or the W-2 also sent a copy to the IRS. The IRS already has it. They could just fill it out themselves. Instead, they make you do it, and it's difficult and cumbersome but in a lot of other countries like the uk and australia they you have the option of just signing off on it and saying yeah okay this looks good I, you, you can just do my taxes for me hmm. and the and the proposals to make to simplify doing your taxes are being pushed by democrats and i find it wildly ironic that the people who oppose these policies are republicans and grover norquist the anti-tax crusader who you would think would want to make it easier but it's in their interest to make taxes as difficult to do and as difficult to understand as possible because they want you to continue hating taxes as much as possible. Also, the, Repub- the military-industrial complex that the Republicans essentially work for don't want you to know how much we spend on the Pentagon. So they, don't, they oppose this bar graph idea because they know that the biggest line item would be this massive thing and you'd be like, do we really need to be spending that much on the military or is this really a jobs program where we're building nuclear submarines that the Pentagon doesn't want in important districts in fucking Delaware, just so that the the we we can keep some some jobs there in a factory that's producing munitions that it doesn't that it no longer needs to be. Well, I think one of the good things about someone proposing something like that is you get to look at who's opposing it. And when yeah. someone's proposing something that makes sense and it makes unless there's some sort of exorbitant fee that's involved in giving people a detailed rundown no. of where their money goes, then you would say, well, someone's against transparency. Mm-hmm. 
And if you're against transparency, you're against freedom, you fuck. You're against America. Yeah. Play the music, Jimmy. A man the free, home of the brave, <laughs> goddammit. I want to know where my fucking taxes go. Yes. If you're anti-tax, then you should be pro-transparency and tax, right? I found out my taxes all went to welfare cigarettes. That's and, where they didn't go. And booze. Right. And booze. And, and pills for uh, the kids. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. We should, we should spend more on. I just wonder what the number would be. Like what would to, to the, do the universal basic income? Yeah, I wonder what would the number would be, and what would be able to just try to <laughs> get queued up. I'll tell you if I got a rant coming on. I'll tell you if I got a rant coming on, Jamie. Right now, I'm not feeling that America. Even better when I do a I'm rant saying. in my Australian accent, and you play the U.S. national anthem behind it. It sounds really weird. It's this cognitive dissonance. <laughs> Mate, play it, Jamie. Play the uh, the anthem, will you? Uh, let's just get a little bit of uh, yeah. bit of patriotism going here. <clears throat> Mate, I want to tell you a thing or two about about the United States. But talking your right accent, don't don't f- overdo it. <laughs> Can't fake it. All right, okay. What, Jamie? Okay. This country, a nation of brave, courageous men and women who fought for years, nay centuries. Okay, hold on, stop. Er, what about non-binary sexual people? Oh, but not fuck. men or women. You're being ex- in- you're being a bit transphobic, aren't I? Yes, you're very transphobic. You know, I said on my podcast the other day that people who vote for Hillary because they voted because they, because she's a woman are only voting for her because she's got a vagina. Mm. And someone on Twitter said that that was transphobic because there are women who don't have vaginas. Mm. Yeah, I disagree. Yeah, there's an X and a Y chromosome. There's a lot of genetics. You might identify with being a woman. If you got a dick, though, we have a real problem. Look, I'm happy to call them women if they want to be called women. I really don't have a problem with it. But don't don't call me trans. It's not transphobic for me to make a generalization that most women have vaginas. Um, I saw an opening to call you transphobic, and I jumped on it yep. because it's there. So mm-hmm. I sank your battleship. Mm-hmm. I got D12. <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> and They're it's playing fucking games. They're playing games. Of you course. don't have to have a vagina to be a woman. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. How about fuck you? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Ugh. What do you think about this North Carolina law, though? About this is <sighs> this is so, different. The bathroom thing. I'm so conflicted about this because I also, I also got into trouble on my podcast for talking about this. So I think it's obviously a silly beat up, and I think that trans people have been and will continue to use bathrooms. Uh, and we shouldn't worry about it, and I don't think that people should be passing laws against it. But I also think it's disingenuous of pro-trans people, and I regard myself as broadly pro-trans, just in the same sense that I'm broadly pro, hey, whatever floats your boat, just live the life that you want to live, whoever you are. As do I. Um, I do think it's disingenuous when they start saying that people who have the outward appearance of the gender that's on their birth certificate should be able to use the opposite... Uh, restroom and that nobody should have a problem with that because they declare themselves to be trans. So I'm talking, for example, about there was, I saw a Facebook um, argument about this where a friend of a friend of mine on Facebook is a trans woman who was assigned male at birth and has no intention of transitioning at all, right? So she has a beard. She's a fat guy with a beard who plays guitar and that's what all of her photos are and she doesn't want to have her dick cut off and she doesn't want to grow breasts and she doesn't want to lose her beard. And she's arguing that it's transphobic to say that she shouldn't be able to use the women's restroom. And other people were saying, you can understand how like a parent might be concerned if their daughter went into the girl's restroom and then what appears to be a large bearded fat man walks in after her 
uh, you know, that is not necessarily transphobic. And then all of a sudden, she's like, how dare you say that? There has not been a single instance of a trans person abusing... This is just like the gay fear back in the 1970s. You're claiming that trans people are more likely to be pedophiles. Blah, blah, blah. No. That should have the music on. No. (laughs) That was a good rant. (laughs) No. We're not saying that. We're just saying, how do you expect us to know the difference between you, a trans woman who looks like a man, and just a man? Well, you're being reasonable, and that's the problem. This is not a reasonable discussion. No. And here's what's really ironic. What we really should be concerned with is not the trans people. What we should really be concerned with is heterosexual people pretending to be trans people. Heterosexual people who are, in fact, sexual predators, who all they have to do to but be around... But they don't around, even have to pretend to be trans. I mean, all they would do... Oh, I see what you mean. Like All they would I have j- to do is to wear a dress and go to the woman's room and say they're trans. And they could do whatever the fuck they want once they're in there. That's the real issue. It's not the actual trans people. That's right. It's people that are using this very ambiguous law. I mean, this is a very ambiguous distinction. If someone identifies with the opposite sex without having any outward appearance of being that opposite sex, all a guy would have to do is say, I'm trans, and you can go into a female restroom. I think the, the most think, likely it's not going to happen. Yeah, I don't. But, I, I think but you this have is to recognize of, it's a, yeah, it's exactly. A, it's a possibility. People. But again, it comes back to the, our conversation about rape or about Islam or about about like Black Lives Matter or whatever. This is a new. We're trying to have a nuanced conversation, and it's impossible to have because all you're allowed to be is either yes. pro-trans or you're a religious evangelical bigot, right? Yes. You're not allowed. There's no. There's no middle ground. We just have to hunker down, Joe, into our little trenches just and have a war of attrition. Where I'm on one side <laughs> and you're on the other side, <laughs> and the last man fucking stands. It's like World War One. We're doing Passchendaele all over again, just firing at each other on Twitter. You're not allowed to have a nuanced. Perspective. Don't you think this is a direct result of the Bush administration, though, like we were talking about? I really do think that that's what it is. I think everybody was so scared and conservatism was at such a a high point that the rebound from that, the rebound from all the anti-gay hysteria, I mean, that administration was ripe with homophobia, ripe with all sorts of different types of discrimination. It was a fucking weird but I think I think that, absor- that absolves the left uh, too much, and I think it also fails to recognize the changes that social media have wrought. I don't think this would be as bad were I think it not it's all for, together. Yeah, 24-hour media, yes. social media. Like, Stephen Fry quit Twitter yes. in February. He was oh. one of the first adopters, and he was like, yeah. it used to be this like this this lake in the forest where you could run and jump and play, and now it's a fetid swamp with everyone pissing in the pool. I'm a Stephen Fry fan, but I gotta say, I think he went out like a bitch. <laughs> he should have hung in there? Yeah, fuck yeah! Come on, that small group of people can chase you out of one of the most yeah. fucking easily used forms of free expression the world has ever known. But his- like, all it takes is him making a joke about a dress, yeah, and people shitting on him for making a joke about it. What, what, what? Why would you even care about the opinion of people who get upset at you for well, making he, fun of a dress? In his blog, where he was talking about quitting Twitter, he did begin by saying, "Like, this is not a big deal. I don't know if this is forever. I'm not doing this as a stand." I just feel so much more liberated not going there because you're right. He is at the pinnacle of his industry. He was hosting the bloody BAFTAs. I mean, that's like hosting the Academy Awards in the UK. So he should be big enough to to have people sniping at him if you're hosting the Academy Awards. And he's a sniper. Yeah, that's, that's what true. he does. His but whole thing is un- mocking people. His whole thing is mocking people who say they're offended. Mm. So he's getting offended. By people mocking him for being offended. I'm not sure he's offended. I think he just doesn't want to play that game. Okay, what is that word then? What word are we looking for? Upset? Bored? No. 
upset. Just bored and you exhausted. Don't, I don't believe you write a whole blog because you're bored. I think you write a blog because you're upset. He was angry. He was visibly angry, or at least appeared to be, through his tweets and his reactions to people being upset with him mm. about making fun of that dress. I mean, I just think... It's hard sometimes. The, you, you, who, who knows what was going on in his life when that was going on? He made that decision as well. It could have been like a down point in him, in his or life emotionally. He might have realized. I think it might he, be an up point because I think he just got married or he's getting married. He's you know he's dating this guy who's like fifty years younger than him or something. Woo. So he's getting a lot of ass, a lot of dick, and he's probably <laughs> and he's probably having a great time. He's like, I don't need this shit anymore. They can go and fuck off. I got no time for one hundred forty characters, bitch. Exactly. But then why does he have time to write about it then? Well, why I not think, just step away? Why? Why? And it's like when well, someone people says, would notice it, and then they'd be like, "Oh, why, where's Stephen Fry? Why isn't he responding to things?" It's easier well, just to on, say, man. "Hey, here I am. I, I'm, I'm going. I won't be here for a while." Yeah, but why? Why even if you ca- if you don't care, you're going to leave. Why even make an announcement? It's like if someone said to you, "You know, hey man, I just thought that your jokes you made about rape in the Joe Rogan podcast were totally uncalled for, unfollowed." <laughs> Unfollowed. <laughs> Do the unfollow dance. I'm unfollowing. I got him. You I see w- what I wrote? I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure I read it. I wish the audio podcast listeners could see the Joe Rogan dance that just happened. Unfollowed. Kind of like halfway between a Down syndrome child and, and a, a rooster. <laughs> I unfollowed you. I win. Oh, dear. They, this is like Put that, that behind thing. the national anthem. But it's that thing that they do. They just want to get your... And what? how many people are we talking about? I mean, one or two or three or oh, even a yeah, hundred people got mad many. at him. No, no, no. I mean, I, I take your point. Sure. Maybe it's a pussy move, but it's his yeah, life. He doesn't have to is. be on Twitter if he doesn't want to be on Twitter. But the problem is he's so great. I know. It's, it upsets me that he would have that, that reaction to... By the way, I've read the things that people wrote to him. It wasn't really that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. He made fun of a woman's dress and said it looked like a garbage bag. And she and it's like one of his friends. Lady. Yeah. It's one of his friends. It's funny. Yeah. It's kind of funny. But of course people are going to react. Here's what, here's what he... Here's barking. What he, here's what he wrote. He said, uh, let us grieve what Twitter has become, a stalking ground for the sanctimoniously self-righteous who love to second guess, to leap to conclusions and be offended. Worse, to be offended on behalf of others they don't even know. And then he says, it doesn't matter whether they're defending women, men, transgender people, Muslims, humanists. The ghastliness is absolutely the same. Okay, what's a pram? Uh, what what we call my a, toys, a stroller. Oh, out of a pram mm-hmm. as I go. Well, I thought it was like a boat. A pram? That's yeah. mate. That's is what that we in the boat? British call a, call a stroller. Jamie, Google the word pram. Why did I think that pram was a type of boat? I don't know. Pram, look, pram you got a bunch of... Uh, what the fuck... How to reset your computer's oh, pram. Oh, look at that. It's a stroller. Mm-hmm. I just told you that three times, Joe. No, you don't trust I'm, me? How do you not trust I do, me? do, but I wanted him to Google boat. Right. Google pram boat. Because why did I think... Oh, yeah, it says boat. That's one of the... Yeah, it is a boat. Huh. It's a type of boat. Is, it a, is, it, a, uh, is it a brand of boat? Yeah, it's a brand. Oh, here we go. Okay, pram boat. A small See? utility dinghy. Bitch, With I a transom bow rather than a pointed bow. Don't make fun of me, bro. I got knowledge. Deep knowledge about shitty boats. <laughs> <laughs> about small utility dinghies. That's what I, I knew it, dog. Like, why is he throwing his ideas out of a small utility dinghy? <laughs> but what he said was eloquent. I mean, he's he's dead on about the sanctimonious. He's I, dead I on about it. recreational outrage. And it's, also, he lives in a country, remember, where you can actually be be prosecuted for saying things that people find offensive. Yes. Like in the UK, did you did you hear about the mealy mouthed uh, tweet? This guy. So after the Brussels attack, there was a guy, just a regular dude, who tweeted, um, I confronted a Muslim woman yesterday. I asked her to explain Brussels. She said, 
nothing to do with me, a mealy-mouthed reply. That caused a media storm because they were like, well, there were, and there were lots of like funny uh, reactions to that where people were like, you know, I asked an I, I met an Irish person and asked him to explain the IRA. He said, <laughs> nothing to do with me, a mealy mouth reply. Right. Uh, or, you know, I, uh, I asked yeah. a dog why I was bitten by a dog when I was four. He said, woof, mealy mouth reply. But this guy was arrested. He was arrested on suspicion of inciting racial hatred. Wow. And. In the UK, that's what can happen. Like, in the UK, simply saying that, like, Islam is a problem and or Islam is stupid can get you potentially arrested. Wow. Under blasphemy laws. Look at this. He subsequently expressed concerns for his health and was taken to a nearby hospital. He's probably having a fucking heart attack. Mm. Doyle's tweet, which has since been deleted, read, I confronted a Muslim. Okay. Millie Mouth reply. Wow, that is crazy. He did then tweet a few offensive things. He was like, uh, in response to people getting angry with him, he was like, oh, so I offended a towel head? Big deal. So, you know, he's not maybe the nicest guy in the world, but when you come, when you live in a country, yeah, when you live in a country with a First Amendment, it's pretty fucking crazy that a person can say something, can tweet something like that, and then get arrested. Well, Canada's got some issues, too. Canada uh has issues with comedians. Yep. There was uh, one comedian um, in Montreal that made a joke about um, some kid that was dying, and uh, he the kid survived, and all these people had uh, donated money apparently. So he made some joke about mm-hmm. you know how the fuck is this kid still alive? Something along those lines, <laughs> and um, he just trying to be funny, and he's been fighting it in court, and <sighs> you know they're trying to put him in jail. And there's the other kid in Vancouver, the guy who was on stage, and some women were heckling, and uh, he said something about them being ugly lesbians and some mean shit to them. He got sued, uh, lost. I mean, they're heckling at a comedy mm. club. And, you know, what he said, whether it was skillful or not, whether it was, I mean, you're, it's just not like someone just yelling something to someone out randomly. This is someone trying to handle a heckler ad-libbing in a comedy club with a bunch of drunk people and these hecklers who had been fucking up the show up until the time he got there. So he's trying to wreck them and make them feel bad. They sued him and won. Unbelievable. Slurs first forced comic to pay $15,000 for a tirade of ugly words against lesbian patron after appeals falls flat. What? what? He has to pay $15,000 for a comedy show because he insulted somebody? Yeah. Yeah. I've got to tell you, I haven't seen anything that bad in Australia, but it is also bad in Australia in terms of, like, what frustrates me the most is that people from certain ethnic groups or religions are claiming that you can be, you can blaspheme, you can, what do you call it when you defame, you, that, right, you can defame like a religion or an ethnicity. Hold on, look at that, Jamie. Scientists say they've developed a second skin you can wear for more than a day to look younger. What? What the fuck? Dude, you're going to go out with some old lady or old man, whatever, and you're going to think, I found the perfect guy. Wow. <laughs> He's got beautiful skin. <laughs> he smells like an old guy, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the idea sounds like fantasy, an invisible film that can be painted on your skin and give it the elasticity of youth. Bags oh under the God. eyes vanish in seconds. Wrinkles disappear. And this is from the National Post, which is an actual Canadian oh, yeah. publication. This isn't bullshit. Right? This is so many people have tried it. <clears throat> under eye bags. No... Reported an irritation or reactions. Whoa. Under eye bags are just a start. You can soak the film with sunscreen and protect yourself without worrying about sweat or water washing it away. The researchers say they expect it can be used to treat eczema, psoriasis, and other skin conditions by covering dry, itchy patches with a film that moisturizes and soothes. Whoa. 
I'm going to get me some of that. But you know, that's one of those weird things where I would have never even thought that someone would come up with this idea. It's clever though, right? It's amazing. They when developed think- a two-step process. A polymer, a clear liquid is applied. It, its chains are not very strong, though, so the next step is applying a product that links them together. By modifying the chemistry of the chains, the researchers can alter the properties of the second skin depending on how it will be used, making it more or less permeable. For example, a more permeable second skin might be used for under-eye bags, where a less permeable one might hold a medication in place. It can be removed with a solution that dissolves the polymer. Whoa, we're plastic people. I love it. Jesus Christ. Wow. As if the uh, fucking Kardashians weren't plastic enough. They're going to have plastic faces. By the, the time old I'm, lady's going to look 20 again. <laughs> by the time I need to get Botox or, uh, or any kind of facial surgery, I'm not going to need it anymore. There you I'm go, going to be dude. able to spray some polymer on my face. That's what I like about you. You make lemonade. Exactly. You see something, you go, there's a positive on this. <laughs> Fuck having plastic people. I wonder if they t- feel like rubbers, though. Like, you know, like you touch people, yeah. like it feels good, like t- t- skin touching skin. Yeah. I wonder if all of a sudden it's like touching a rubber. Well, especially if you're wearing it, right? If yeah. you're the one, like if someone caresses your your cheek, does it just feel like? Well, I, I don't worry know. about what they feel like because your hands, I'm assuming, won't be covered by this shit. No, you wouldn't cover the unless your you're really tips. vain. Unless yeah. you're like my fingertips give away my age. I don't like when I take baths and my skin prunes. So can you do something about that? <laughs> <laughs> I want to run a really hot bath and then spray some polymer on my fingertips. What the fuck, man? That's great. We're gonna cover ourselves with rubber. We're gonna seal. I mean, the fact that we've got enough money to be thinking about this, like coming back to the, the question about like poaching elephants in Africa or me going to the Mumbai slum, like what the fuck is the world on about? When you talk about the inequality between Beverly Hills and Baltimore, what about the inequality between people who are inventing polymers so that we can spray them on our, ba- our, our eye bags so that we look a little bit less old at the same time as there are people living on a penny a day in Mumbai? Yeah. It's that's- nutty. Like if you were an alien and came down to the earth right now, You'd be like, what are these guys doing? they got plenty to go around. they that, got tons of shit. That's a super good point. And there's something that I was reading about today about a type of polymer that they've used on, um, God, what was it on? It was on certain, here, let me find the history here. It was on certain, um, certain types of, uh, it's like a plastic that could spray on things. And when they spray this shit on things, it um it actually uh, you could you could throw like cinder blocks off of buildings and shit because of it. Wait, um, and the cinder block is okay? Or yeah, what? yeah, yeah. The cinder block stays together. It's fucking madness, man. Cool. It's really weird. Let um, me guess. The military developed it. Uh, Sounds like something shit, like that, right? Probably. Let me find this stuff because it's some shit that they spray on things, and uh, they're using it on certain automobiles. Uh, it's like, hold on, let me find it real quick. It's um... in the meantime, you can uh, open your podcast app and uh, subscribe to We the People Live. Mm, there you go. Hashtag We mm. the People, all one word, live, mm. and you can get more delightful conversations with the likes of myself. It's called Linex. Jamie, go- Google Linex polymer coating because this stuff they put it on um, on plates and they threw it off of buildings. Like, look, they threw this. This is on the History Channel. They threw these cinder blocks off of, uh, off of a building, and then they cover the cinder block with this paint. And then they throw the same cinder block, same size cinder block, off a building that's covered in this protective coating. And watch what happens. It, it just bounces. fucking bounces. Now, they did it with eggs, man. They did it with plates. They did it with eggs. 
And then on top of that, they did it with plastic cups where they had a sumo wrestler stand on plastic cups. Like, look at the egg. So they're spraying the egg. And by the way, this is like less than a quarter inch coating that they put on these eggs. Boom. Bounces off the ground. Wow. This is crazy shit. But look at the, the cups. is the really weird stuff. They took this gigantic sumo wrestler and they had him stand on these plastic cups. Of course, he crushes them. Then they take the same kind of cup and they cover it with this Linex shit. Go way, way back. Wait, wait for There's a sumo wrestler, dude. You can you see easily, obviously, oh, so he's going to crush these. it's just a little these. sippy cup. It's a red, like yeah. a red cup from a, you know, like go, a frat party or something. Go way further ahead, Jamie, because he crushes these. Yeah. But go way further. Now watch. No! Look at this. Yeah. He's standing on two red, like, beer cups. Yeah. And they're not much bigger. Look, they're not much bigger. No. It's not like they became super thick because of this stuff. So this must just... What does it do? I guess it just disperses the energy of the... I don't know. ...of the fall all across the... The product? I don't know, man. It's some super fucking polymer. I mean, what would you use it for? You'd just use it to make everything strong, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Or cover your fucking whole body with, bro. Become Iron Man. Yeah, become like the thing. <laughs> From Fantastic Four, you know? Yeah, put a little bit of... Uh, put the old... Put the anti-aging polymer on first. Mm, then put this shit on. Right? Jump off a building and bounce. Dude, that's and what I'm And look young. About. Just run right through walls. Shit. You reckon we're ever going to do that? I think in a hundred years from now, science and technology will have achieved results that are unfathomable. Yeah. I think we are just in the infancy. I mean, go back to 1916. People lived like fucking cave people. They yeah. Were, they were barely human. Yeah. They were monkeys. Yeah. And think about what what we're experiencing now in 2016. Now imagine what 2116 is going to be like. Well, also think about nuts. think about if we can ever do like what Ray Kurzweil wants us to do and be able to unite like artificial intelligence with our our intelligence. I think it's inevitable. If that happens, then that's going to be a bigger game changer than all of the physiological things that we've been able to do in, in terms of the evolution since the industrial revolution. It's going to be like an information revolution and we're going to become cosmic gods. In some sort of a weird way, I think it's inevitable. Because I just think, it, as long as we don't blow ourselves up, or we get yeah. hit by a meteor, or a super volcano wipes out the planet, I think it's inevitable. We're going to continue, not we, not you and I, hmm. we're not going to do shit. <laughs> we're just going to be talking. Speak for yourself. I'm going to be the first one. <laughs> we're just going to be talking, but there's going to be other people out there that are really fucking smart, and they're going to come together with some other really smart people, and they're going to figure out some amazing things. And we're just... Watching it, that I'd love to fake I'm, skin shit. When we when people wonder about why we haven't found extraterrestrial civilizations yet, and we haven't heard their radio waves, I, I'm so hopeful that the reason is that like we just evolve out of that. We've only had them for less than a hundred years, right? Mm -hmm. We've only been pumping them out for a hundred years. Maybe uh, maybe we're just about to find something else, and we'll realize that the universe is actually teeming with all these conversations between different civilizations that we are just completely oblivious to, and they don't care about reaching out to us because we're just little ants on a, on a little rock floating around a, a star on an outer spiral arm of an insignificant galaxy called the Milky Way. And they're like, some, some, these guys will grow up and they'll join the conversation when they're ready. It's probably exactly what's going on. Or it gets to the point where it's no longer necessary because intelligence and artificial intelligence become exactly the same thing. And we create a different kind of life with technology. And yeah. our pursuit, like this fucking, this IBM machine that's beating people in that Go game. Uh -huh. and, you know, killing chess champions at their fucking preferred game. Yeah. That one day they're going to, it's going to reach some sort of a state where we have to accept it as a life form. 
Yep, and it has rights because it has a conception of itself. Can it go in any bathroom at once? How's that work? <laughs> two two computers walk into a bathroom. <laughs> uh, I was talking to someone who was who was saying that uh, when we can grow artificial meat because they're working on artificial meat oh, in, yeah. in a lab, uh, then will it be the case that the only ethical meat to eat uh, that isn't artificial? would be human meat because we're the only people capable of giving informed consent to have ourselves be eaten. Hmm. So maybe but it won't even be we'll ourselves. It would be uh, maybe we could take all these fat people and we could like suck body meat <laughs> off of them. They'd be like, I really wish I was thinner. And you go to a place and with no scars, yeah. they remove like, 30% this, of your I've body weight. I've got this weight. polymer that I can spray on you, which yeah. just extracts some of your uh, your fat and your calories and puts yeah. it into a smoothie for me. Yeah, you just, you just sell it as protein bars. You mentioned the Go game, the computer <laughs> that, that beats people at Go. The thing that I found, find really fascinating about, about that is the computer that beats people at chess is basically just a brute number cruncher, right? So Deep Blue and Deep Blue won whatever, was it Kasparov? Mm-hmm. Um what that basically does is just looks at all of the different possible outcomes that you might be about to play and then rapidly calculates the probability that any particular move is going to yield a good result, right? We can all imagine how that, how that functions. It's basically just lots and lots of numbers. But Go is so complicated. There are so many different options at any particular point in the game that no computer can even remotely and probably ever will be able to calculate the, the game itself the way that the chess computer does. There are, there are more options, I think, in a game of Go than there are, like, atoms in the universe. It's some crazy stat like that. What? So what the Go computer... I know. Dude, when- fuck that game. <laughs> <laughs> it's the power of... It's, it's exponential, right? So, like, if, there's, if there are two <clears throat> options and then those two options each lead to another two options, which mm-hmm. each lead to another two options, which each lead to another two options, very quickly you get up to numbers that are, you know, it's like those thought experiments of how many times would you have to fold a piece of paper for it to reach the moon. Right. And it's only, like, 30 or 40 times or something ridiculous like that because it's doubling all the time. Can you look that up, Jamie? How many times <laughs> do you need to fold a piece of paper for it to reach to the moon? But anyway, the, so the point about the Go computer is it doesn't crunch numbers. It learns from other Go games. So they load into it all of the Go games, like thousands or millions of games that have happened. And it then looks at all of those games and tries to find patterns between the way that the, the particular moves that humans have done in past games and then uses its own intuition to run billions of possible games in its own head and it gradually learns from its own mistakes. So it's not just a computer. It's not just like a gigantic calculator like the chess computer is. It is a form of artificial intelligence in that it is making calculations. I mean, obviously, it doesn't know anything, we don't think. Right. But, it, but for me, it's really super exciting because I do think that it's really interesting to ask the, the Turing test question of, like, when is a computer actually self-aware? Right. And this is the beginning glimmers of that. I think within our lifetime, there will be computers that it's just meaningless to say they're not self-aware because they claim to be self-aware they, they behave as if they're self-aware they tell us that they feel pain they tell us that they have an interest in their own continued existence in a way that's so authentic and that learns that to say that they're not self-aware but like a chimp is would be meaningless do you think that they're going to start by just trolling people on twitter with like fake <laughs> intelligence like imagine if this guy that you're arguing with on twitter he turns just out to bot. not be a person yeah. and they just realize what what riles people up what spins their gears and they just start sending these troll twitter things out and they just start having debates with people, like literally having debates and breaking people down and then being passive aggressive, being shitty, 
you know, being uh, inquisitive. Like they, they try a bunch of different approaches, and they treat it the same way they treat Go games. They Wouldn't just learn be behavior patterns. Yep. They would be the worst people in the world if they learned their behavior patterns off the way that we communicate on social media. (laughs) (laughs) You'd just be creating a monster. Well, it makes you wonder. I mean, if Go games are that complicated, yet they're able to master that. What what about human personality? Absolutely. Do we we kid ourselves in that we're so complex and amazing that nothing could copy us? I mean, what if some fucking computer figures out a way to bypass personality. Like, personality is mm. overrated. We figured out a way to make the perfect personality. This is the formula. Run with it. Everyone's going to love you. <laughs> what was? Did you see that movie about um, uh, Ex Machina? Yes, see that? amazing. You know, that's kind of the conceit of that, right? So yes. the, the, the sort of the billionaire kind of leader, mm-hmm. the Mark Zuckerberg type in yeah. that. The way that he builds the artificial intelligence is by hoovering up all of the, all of your social media information from his kind of Facebook style thing. And I think you're right that that could be one way of creating an artificial intelligence to collect all of the communal uh, inputs that we're putting in every single day on social media. Hundred percent, hundred percent possible. And learn, they can do learn the game. those patterns. Yeah, Jamie, how many how many times? I was just going to say, there's a specific episode of that show Black Mirror I've been trying to tell you about mm. that deals with this Great exact show. topic, <sighs> where there's a, that show. some sort of like Android created thing, and they take this guy's whole social media presence. And recre- that's his new being. He died. I don't want to ruin all of it ah, for you. Shut but up. Like, yeah. It's Donald Gleason, right? The guy from... Uh, yeah. yeah he it's actually it. the same guy, the actor, that's in Ex Machina. So it's a little bit... Oh, oh that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which guy? guy? The, the, the millionaire guy? No, the, oh, the, kid the younger guy. Yeah. Fucked over. Yeah. He's a good actor. Donald I got to get out of here, man. I'm sorry. We're out of time. Hey, love it. This was just... Flew by, dude. Always does. It always does. Always does. So much fun. Yeah, no, I love being here. When are you back in town? Uh, Don't know, but I'll give you, I'll call you. Fucking holler at me. Let's do it again, sir. Always will. My friends, we'll be back tomorrow. Oh, We the People Live and Josh Seps on Twitter. We the People Live. Just Um, to whore myself out yet further. Yeah, whore it up, baby. Great. Thanks, Um, man. Tomorrow we'll be back with uh, Alex Gray, uh, famed visionary artist. Should be a goddamn blast. See you then, you fucks. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into the podcast. Thank you to Caveman Coffee for powering us through this caffeinated morning. Uh, CavemanCoffeeCO.com. Go there. Enjoy. Check it. Thank you also to LegalZoom. LegalZoom, uh, an awesome way for you to deal with financial bullshit without actually having to go to uh, a lawyer's office. Or legal bullshit, I should say. Some of it may be financial. Um, But go to LegalZoom.com and enter the code word ROGAN at checkout for a discount. Thanks also to Squarespace. Squarespace, friends, it is the answer to the question, how the fuck do I make a website? You make it yourself, bitch. You go to Squarespace, enter their code word Joe, or actually go to squarespace.com forward slash Joe, and start a free trial today. You don't need to enter credit card information to try it. They're very confident in their product. They just want you to check it out because it is, in fact, an awesome and easy way to create an amazing professional website i can't say enough good things about squarespace squarespace.com forward slash joe and we're also brought to you each and every episode by onit.com go to o-n-n-i-t use the code word rogan and save 10 percent off any and all supplements that's it folks this podcast is fucking over Appreciate the hell out of you. Can't say fuck, fuck. I was going to say appreciate the fuck out of you, but I already said fuck in the previous sentence, and I don't want to get redundant. That's, uh, okay. Enough. I'm talking too much. All right. See you soon. Bye. Much, much love. Love you guys. I'm going to give you a hug this time. No kiss. Hug.